Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? Welcome to My Take Radio, episode 169 for Thursday, January 17th, 2013. Our call in number is 347 324 3541. Again, our call in number is 347 324 3541. All right, first off, let me apologize for whatever shit My Take, uh, My Take Radio, excuse me, Blog Talk Radio was, was pulling where I could not dial into the switchboard. Luckily, Slick with the save kind of kept things running for the last 13 and a half minutes. For those of you that were waiting to listen to the show via Mixler, I don't know what happened since the switchboard wouldn't let me dial in, so there will not be a Mixler version of the show this week. I do advise you that if you want to catch the show on the replay, to get the show via iTunes or via Stitcher. Again, this is what happens when you do shit live. You get caught out there and things just get a little crazy. Nonetheless, everything seems to be running on all cylinders, so let's get right into it. Uh, Let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. Of course, first off, we got a lot of new content on MyTakeRadio.com, including a brand new Buried. We got some Young Justice stuff from Slick, a ton of comic book stuff that I put out from Marvel. Uh, We're supposed to be putting out a review of Assassin's Creed 3. I was having some issues with the formatting, and for those of you that saw the review up earlier today, I did have to take it down to address that. I also did capture some video, which, as luck would have it, since it does not seem to be my day, the video had no audio, because that's that's how shit works. That's the kind of night we're going to be having. Anyway, a lot of new content on MyTakeRadio.com. I've seen a lot of you guys hitting up our Facebook fan page, liking all the stuff we put up. Uh, The Facebook fan page, and this is something I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, it's almost lost its way. I mean, a lot of you guys really like to comment on the cosplay and all that stuff, and it's great, and we appreciate it, but above all else, we really like to hear from you guys with regards to the content we put up. I mean, that's the bread and butter. That's kind of what pays the bills around here, so we're going to be making some changes across the board with regards to that. I mean, we're going to still keep sharing all the great stuff, cosplay, comic stuff, movie stuff, all the usuals, but we're going to just try and 
interact with you guys more on our, on the regular only because I just feel that the fan page has lost its way with regards to that. I mean, that's per that's partly my doing just because sharing the cosplay and all that stuff is always uh, great, great for conversation. But it's also something that I've noticed has become kind of the backbone of, of all our content, which isn't what we're all, which is not what we're all about. Obviously, you guys know what the deal is with us, but that's something that we're going to be working towards kind of rectifying in the couple in a couple of weeks. It's something that I've just noticed has become not so much prevalent, but just something that's become a, a little bit more poorly managed than it should have been. Let's just put it that way. I also want to thank all of you that are checking into the show via Get Glue. We really appreciate that, especially since the numbers continue to grow week by week. One number I did notice that has changed, and that's partly because of Facebook's wonderful algorithm, is our fan count, which has fluctuated up and down, up and down for the last couple of days. And I've talked to a couple of other guys that have pages for their shows and their brands, and they say that it's part of the same thing. One guy made a, a, a an e- well, he forwarded an email to Facebook's uh, tech support, and he got a response back pretty much saying that, you know, they're using their algorithm, and a lot of people that were running on duplicate Facebook accounts or were creating spam accounts and things of that nature, they're being weeded out. So I'm sure there's going to be a couple of people that are going to get the boot. I mean, I've booted a couple of fans, I'd say within the last, I'd say the last three months, I've booted a lot of link spammers, uh, people that just post random shit, um, things like that. So I'd say within the, within the last three to six months, we've We've done a significant amount of cleanup. That's why you guys don't really see a lot of um, uh, spam links and things of that nature because we're really aggressive about that behind the scenes. And we try to keep the page as clean as possible with regards to that because that's something that kind of brings the page down. I'm all for promotion and things of that nature, but it's also about promotion with brands and, and organizations that we work with or that we trust. I mean, I've I've had a couple of people, they come in there and they post r- random link A and they got to get the fucking boot because that's not what we do. I mean, that's one of the main things that we try to do. We try to promote people we're comfortable with, and we let certain people promote their stuff within reason, but you can't just come in there and spam the page because you're going to get kicked right out on your ass. But it's just something that we have noticed, and it's good to see that Facebook is cracking down on that. Honestly, I'd rather my count go down and I have engaged active fans from start to finish than just people that are looking to get in and try and spam or link build in a in a disingenuous fashion. So that's one of the things that's going on in that regard. Also, with regards to the site, we're taking a, a different spin on a lot of things. We're starting to add more video content, which you guys are seeing. We put up some Ultimate Spider-Man stuff that we got from Marvel on our YouTube channel, which if you are not aware, it is My Take Radio TV on YouTube. So you can look that up and subscribe. We're trying to put up more stuff. I got some unboxing videos and a couple of things I have to edit but it's a trial by fire because I'm also teaching myself Sony Vegas and really getting better with the editing to give you guys some cool video content as well. All right, let's get into some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. We got our TNA pay-per-view. We got to talk about Raw, of course. We got to talk a little bit about Impact. And if all if all goes according to schedule, The Amazing Red will be calling us will be calling in at 11.30. He has an event going on this weekend at the House of Glory Academy with a lot of great talent wrestling on that card, including ECW original Sabu. 
So he's going to call in hopefully at 1130 and we'll be able to discuss that in detail as well. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about MMA. Of course, the Strike Force event is going to be up for discussion. We got some gaming news, including some MPD stuff that was released after the show went off air last week. And we got some entertainment news with a return for 2013 of the What the Fuck movie news because there's a couple of wonderful gems I got to share with you guys. But before I get into all that, I got to tell you about a couple of things. I actually have a wonderful monologue for you guys this week. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a two-parter. First up, this coming Monday, we're going to be covering the MASHFest event as well as the um, YouTuber, blogger, podcaster event, a.k.a. the YBP. That stuff is going to be going on um, in Midtown this Monday, and it's going to be a great opportunity to meet a lot of individuals that have their own blogs and fellow podcasters and YouTube broadcasters, and hopefully we can build some relationships and try and get some other stuff working with those guys. So we're going to be there on Monday. You're going to see a lot of photos and stuff from that event, either throughout the day on the fan page, or there'll probably be a wrap up uh, later on that evening. That's being organized by Gamer Motion and Girl Gamer Vogue. So it's going to be great to meet the uh, owners of those respective brands. Maybe we can work something out down the road and possibly work together, but I'm really looking forward to that. And of course, MASHFest is the uh, monthly fighting game meetup that's also being held in conjunction with that at the same venue, uh, Marvel versus Capcom, Super Street Fighter 3, I mean Super Street Fighter 4, excuse me, and a couple of other fighting games are going to be on deck, great community atmosphere, so I really look forward to covering that and sharing all that coverage with you guys, so be on the lookout for that this coming Monday and possibly Monday night. We're also going to be recording a new MTR Beyond the Mic with Katie Brinks from the Nest, from Nest, who, like I mentioned last week, is the company that has the thermostat designed by the original iPhone designer. And I'm really looking forward to talking to her because there's a lot of really cool stuff about that and a lot of innovation behind that product that I really would like to learn more about. As usual, the MTR Beyond the Mic series is exclusive to app owners first and foremost. Then it's going to be released to the general public including our iTunes subscribers, usually a week after. So if you're, re- if you're looking forward to checking that out and you don't have the MTR app, you're going to have to wait a week. If not, you can pick up the MTR app for Android and iOS. It's $1.99. For Android, you can pick it up via the Amazon Marketplace. And for your iOS devices, you can pick it up via good old iTunes. Now, the other thing is, of course, uh, one of the many real-world things that happens in Rich's life that is always wonderful to share with you guys. Anyway, one of, one of the things that New York is known for besides its, you know, huge melting pot and its various cultures is its pizza. A lot of people swear that New York pizza is the best pizza. Honestly, I've had, I've had Chicago pizza. I've had pizza in other places and not, not even, not even to blow smoke up my own ass, but we do, we do have some pretty badass pizza. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, uh, last Saturday, my wife and I were going to run some errands and we were supposed to be meeting up our very own slick at Buffalo Wild Wings to talk about a couple of things, exchange Christmas gifts, etc. And we decided, hey, it's like three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. Let's grab something small before meeting up with slick later that evening. So we go to a pizzeria that we've drove that we've driven by. I'd like to say. At least 50 times in a year. Maybe more just because it's on 
It's on the drive to my fiance's house. And we decided, hey, you know, let's stop in there, grab a bite to eat. What's the worst that could happen? So pull over, we get out. And the first thing I notice as I'm walking up to the door is that it has a big B rating. Now, for those of you not familiar with that, uh, the New York City Department of Health goes through various establishments here in New York City, and they rate the restaurants based on, obviously, cleanliness, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a letter grade, obviously, A being the highest. Not to say that B or C are completely fucking terrible, but, you know, if it's not already an A, you have that preconceived notion that something is wrong. That's just the way it is. Anybody that lives in New York City can attest to that. Sometimes they'll walk by a place and and they'll enjoy it so much that they'll try and ignore the C rating or, or, or the B rating that it may have. I've done that on occasion. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of Spanish restaurants that definitely have some questionable letter grades. And I walk in there and I just try not to pay attention to it just because they do make good food. In this particular case, the B was glaring and it was huge right on the front door as we walk in and I'm like, man, this is, I don't know how I feel about this. So we walk in, the chick behind the front counter was busy yelling on a cell, on a cell phone to somebody. So she walked outside and there was a a heavy set woman in there. She was also on a phone and she was sitting off to the side who was behind the counter. Absolutely no one. So we're standing there. We're standing there. We stood there for a good five minutes. You know, my fiance says to me, yo, I think it, you know, let's get the fuck out of here. Just as we're getting ready to walk out, um, four, four girls that pretty much look like they were cast off from the Jersey shore, walk out from the back with a young guy. There's a baby crying in the back. I don't know if he was in the kitchen, but it was a baby. Cause I saw a baby seat crying. So the guy sees us standing there. And just as we're getting ready to turn to walk out, he goes, Hey, you guys, did you, do you guys need anything? I'm like, yeah, I'd like to order some, some fucking pizza. So we look down, we see the pizza there and it looks it looks a little suspect, like, you know, it, it's it's been sitting for a little bit, but whatever. We're, we're starving. They already took our order. What's the worst that could happen? Take our order. We go, we, we find a table at the front of the restaurant. Table's fucking dirty. Ended up wiping that shit down myself. Have the pizza. Wasn't great. Whatever. So, overall, the experience from start to finish, ladies and gents, was complete shit. I kid you not. Complete shit. So, we decided, you know, I'm like... I use I use Yelp a little bit here in New when you know when I go out to eat because I I really I'm not not to say that I'm a foodie or a food snob but I like sharing good establishments with my friends and other people I like sharing bad establishments that's just the way it is that's that's part of social media and that's how shit works so when I pulled up the restaurant on Yelp it was like a couple of people were like oh this is the best pizza I've ever had blah 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 Clearly, those people either work for the place or were completely full of shit. But there was one. There was another uh, person from Yelp that actually said, "You know, the restaurants fucking run like shit. You know, we got ignored when we walked in there. Pretty much verbatim what happened to us." So, you know, I I actually wrote a, re- uh, a Yelp review and I said, "You know, for those of you that are saying that this is the best pizza in the area, I beg to differ. There's a dozen other better pizza joints, and I don't think it was that great." And not for nothing, the big glaring B letter grade didn't exactly do me any favors. So whatever, I wrote the little Yelp review and I left it alone. Turns out, turn, turns out on, as a matter of fact, yesterday, I get an email from Yelp and it was a message from the lady that manages the restaurant. How crazy is this? So the, the lady, 
she um she messages me about it and um she's pretty much like yeah you know wow you know our our restaurant we're sorry you had such a shitty time etc etc and you know we're in time you know the family could have been having a bad day and frankly um you know if if you can't say anything nice get this you shouldn't say anything at all that's what this lady wrote so um i said to myself i really could just finish this lady cuz one of the things that i've that i've learned and that's working in retail or anywhere that the it's customer first had she written me the email you know the message and been like hey listen you know we're sorry you had a bad experience we'd love for you to come back we guarantee you that you'd have a better experience whatever but this lady's admonishing me for using yelp the way it's supposed to be used hey listen i'm sorry that you have the rejected cast of the jersey shore running your fucking restaurant i'm sorry but that's not my problem oh the family was having a bad day i got that people have bad days all the time but this is a fucking business i could be i could be sitting here on a thursday night at 10:45 with my arm hanging off and herpy and herpy sores on my lips and i will get on this microphone and do the fucking show because that's that's what we do this is our job so this lady straight legit admonished me for telling the truth about the establishment i'm like i'm like lady are you out of your fucking mind and i really just wanted to write something back and then i thought about it i said listen if i write something back she's gonna write something back to me and it's gonna be a tit for tat and honestly i'm never going back there so it's not even worth my time. Simple as that. But it's just crazy that that people and this is partly it is social media's fault because it gives us an outlet to vent and some people aren't going to like what we say, but your job as a proprietor and as a business owner is to ensure that good, bad or otherwise that your customers have a a, a good experience. And if it's bad, you atone, you make up for it. If it's good, then you gloat about it, but you can't admonish people for having an opinion. That's how it goes. It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, the, it's one of the first times that Yelp has not bit me in the ass, but that, that it actually led to something bigger. I use Yelp and Foursquare a lot, and a lot of people on Facebook break my balls about it because it's like, oh, you know, we really don't, not everybody cares that you're out eating a sandwich at this place or they have a good burger, but... I want to I want to get a little inside briefly and share with you guys the fact that everything I do on the web I do via my take radio. It is my platform, it is my brand, it is my outlet. And if I go to a restaurant and I have a good experience and they see that hey, you know, the, this guy runs this outlet or whatever and he likes what we do, you know, maybe they'll reach out, maybe they won't, but it's just the fact that I like doing that because of it's a business recognizing a business. Any, any individual can open up his window and scream out his opinion. But when it's from business to business, it, it, it feels, it, you feel a camaraderie. I, I, I say this because I went to a, to a local joint here called Angelina's Fire Shack. And Slick can agree. And at the time that we went there, food was fantastic. The guys were inviting. I checked in on Foursquare one day. And, you know, the guy, he kind of followed the paper trail and I went in there a second time. He's like, hey, man, you know, thanks for writing what you wrote about us on Foursquare. And I'm like, shit, how'd you know? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we followed the Twitter. And then the Twitter led us to the Facebook. And then the Facebook kind of led us to you. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And the guy was like, oh, well, you know, tell me a little bit about the show. So we discussed the show, whatever. And he was like, hey, man, you know, if you ever want to come through and 
and and do something with the show here, or sometimes we have the guy from Man vs. Food here to take the food challenge. You're welcome to come through and cover it. But that's what I'm saying. It, all of that came together because of what we did and just because of using social media correctly. Yeah, occasionally I'll put up a picture of a fucking sandwich I ate. Sue me. It happens. But you know what? Behind all that, there's other there's other stuff I share. So, you know, those of you that are the social media police and you guys know who you are, just just understand that there's a bigger process at work. Yeah, sure. Like I said, occasionally I'll share a sandwich or whatnot, but sometimes you guys will see me share some monster energy. I drink it religiously like water and I and I acknowledge that it's a great product and I enjoy it. And what's going to stop monster energy from wandering across me like, hey, man, this guy really loves our shit. Maybe we should talk to him. It's all part of a bigger process, and that's something you know that a lot of you may not know, but now it gives you a glimpse into into some of the stuff that we actually do behind the scenes. In addition to that craziness that's going on, I did want to take the opportunity to discuss a little bit about what's going on with the with the Sandy Hook situation because it's leading into some stuff that we're going to talk about in the gaming segment. And it's something that's been happening as of late, and it's about um, people that are, they like to call them the truther movement. You know, people that search for conspiracies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that's been circulating is a conspiracy video about the Sandy Hook tragedy. This video was shared by Ronda Rousey, which I'll discuss in the MMA segment. And I got to see it as well. And it's it's really just raised some questions and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just want to go on record before I discuss the rest of that later on in the gaming segment and say this conspiracy theorists, uh, truthers, etc. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, the, the, those are, those are their rights. There, there's a, the problem that I see is that there's a right way and a wrong way to question things. It's like nine 11. Do you know how many people I know personally that feel that nine 11 was a government conspiracy and an inside job? And we've talked about it. I've talked, I've talked to these people at length and they say to me, they're like, Hey man, you know, I think this and this and this, and sure I could be like, Hey, you're out of your fucking mind, but you know what? They're entitled to that opinion. And I'll say, look, man, I, you know, I watched the towers fall from my office that day. And whether it was an inside job or not an inside job, the fact still remains that a lot of people fucking died. And that's all that I, that's all that matters to me. The, the, the most basic of things. And the same, the same can be said for this tragedy that happened in Connecticut. I've seen, I've seen some guys that were involved that they're all of a sudden now they're getting threatening phone calls and all this crazy stuff. And it's unfortunate, but the fact, the fact remains that whether quote unquote, it was staged or it wasn't staged or there was some big giant conspiracy. The fact is that at the end of the day, children died and that's what comes first and foremost before anything else, before conspiracies, before politics, before gaming, before assault rifles. It's the fact that innocent children died. Whether it was to prove a point or not prove a point, it is the death of children. That is the underlying, that is the underlying factor above all else. And it supersedes everything else, in my opinion. Again, my opinion. And, you know, for people to dig a little deeper and have some questions... You, look, you are entitled to do that. That's why, that's why, you know, groups like Anonymous and things like that, they dig a little deeper. Sometimes they find stuff that you don't want to know about per se, but 
This is the era that we live in, the era of seeking truth. And and maybe sometimes the truth is going to be a little crazy, and sometimes the truth is really not going to be truth. It's going to be, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, people people just, they, they don't know how to handle it accordingly. Like I said, I have I have my own opinions on some of this stuff, but do I go and push it on everybody else like it's legit? No. Do I feel that there are questionable circumstances, not in relation to Sandy Hook, but just in regards to a lot of things, Bin Laden, the towers? Absolutely. But I just, I, I don't go around fear-mongering either. I just, I again, I share my opinions. You guys are entitled to believe them, Listen to them, tell me to go fuck myself, whatever the case is, but it's it's all opinion-based. Anyway, Slick just informed me that our friend, the Amazing Red, is on the line, and I'm going to bring him on, because we got a lot to talk about. Red, what's going on, brother? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. Welcome back. Yeah, ah, it's been a, It's been a long time. Things have things have been a little crazy since since last you've been on. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the world or a little a little bit of both. Are you using your cell phone because yeah. you sound a little a little far away, a little staticky? Oh, um, yeah, you're still you're still a little muffled, a little bit. Can you? Yeah, now I hear you. Now I hear you pretty good. Okay. Yeah, so last time last time you were on last time you were on, of course, you know, the school was was getting off the ground and you were starting to put your shows together and since then you've actually been doing a lot more teaching and you've done a couple of shows now and you got you guys got a pretty solid roster of young talent. So of course one of the things you got going on is the the Winter Slam event this weekend. So before we get into what's been going on, let's talk about that first. Yeah, this Saturday, January nineteenth, and um, have a bunch of people on board from the the Saint Louis sixteen thirty Whitfield Street, and um, grab Sabu there. Balls on, just incredible. Black Sam, Hasbro Kids, SCW people like Glenn Leeford, and um, um, Pete is going to be there, so it's going to be a good show. Now this is hopefully you have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm gonna try and get out there. I know Jay Santi. Jay Santi started working with us with MTR recently, so he may be there okay, cool. in my absence. Okay, nice. Yeah, so I, I I figured you may or may not know that, but you know, based on what I read, you got a match with with Eddie Kingston. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a, I have a feeling you're gonna be. Very sore after that match. That that dude hits hard. Oh yeah, yeah. From what you know, from oh, some yeah. of the stuff I've seen on YouTube, that that guy that guy looked like he hits hard, dude. I've I've been dying to uh, wrestle him just uh, as a uh, kind of like a friend friend kind of thing anyway. But um, obviously because I think I wrestled people like him before, and you know, just in general, and I think anybody wrestle always tries to. Uh, to you know, stiff me or <laughs> kind of get me that kind of way. But um, I'm the type of guy that always likes those kind of battles, you know. And um, I think that everybody I haven't wrestled him at all. Um, it'll be 
discussed that i mean the the strong style honestly i think has a place and even even with you saying that you know you it, it's it, not to say that you have issue doing it but that it, it's just something that that takes time to do and finding the right opponent makes it work that that's one of the things that it, it looking at it from the standpoint that oh you know it, it it's a it's a smaller guy bigger guy matchup it, it it just like with mma styles make fights Daniel Bryan's not the biggest dude. He goes out there and he drops dudes on his head on the regular. If you see all this stuff for me, I would always have these moves where kind of dropping people on their heads. Not even people, uh, you know, our opponents. It would be guys that I knew, like my cousins or my friend Hearthstone. And the only to do that style, I thought was like, you really know what I'm really cool with. You know, like, you know how you're having like a brother, you can get the crap out of your brother, but, you know, you don't take care of somebody else, but your brother can take it. You're right. Like, uh, <laughs> you, um, <laughs> like, like your audio, your audio starting to get a little messed up again. Oh, Yeah, you want to, you want, you want to hang up and dial back in? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, yeah, just dial back in because it's a little, it's a little garbled. Alright, All right, thanks. Yeah, we're when it. This is how it works. Whenever we're gonna do stuff on air, it's either au- some sort of audio issue, some sort of madness. So, obviously, the late start on our end. Red's having some audio issues, so he's gonna call us back, but. To, to touch on what he was saying, since last we spoke, like I said, the, the House of Glory Wrestling Academy's got a, a really solid roster of guys in there. You know, they got true talent in there. Panda Man, there's been a lot. Panda Man's a guy that I've I've always felt since I've watched him wrestle at House of Glory that he's 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 got that it factor where if it came time to make the jump to to an organization, especially with with that gimmick that it would really thrive. I, I think it's very family friendly and kids really eat it up. If you guys go to have gone to any of the shows here or any of the house of glory shows, you guys, you guys can see that, that that's a, you know, a gimmick for argument's sake that has tremendous potential. I think he's, he's probably one of the breakout guys out of that camp. Same thing with true talent, true talents come a long way. And, um, Alex Reyes, I, I actually, you know, follow him on Facebook and stuff. Guy, really loves his craft and again another 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 prospect to watch there i think red and brian xl are doing a good job teaching those guys the fundamentals and um, i noticed that i think red dialed back in so let me try and bring him back on all right we're good 
Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so as I was... What was that? <laughs> yeah, the cell, the, the, the cell phone, the cell phone calls are, are hit and miss. Sometimes they work good, and sometimes it's a, it's a big pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Well, last time, last time, of course, one of the things and that we discussed was your WWE tryout. So, yeah. how'd it go? Oh, people went crazy for that. <laughs> people went crazy when they heard that you were that you were trying out. Yeah, it was it was it was it was kind of like, uh, it kind of made it worse. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I Like, um, going over their stuff, like, to get, like, the squash thing that they're looking to happen. 
And I think Hugh Morris told Ryback, you're not ready for three people. Because Ryback said, I thought I had three people to wrestle today. And Hugh Morris told him, you're not ready for three people today. So you're going to just do two. <laughs> yeah, well, that... So... Well, it, on, on the flip side, though, that spot... Not, not to say that it wouldn't have worked, but the probability of somebody getting completely fucked up was extremely high. Yeah, but it would lawsuit thing is, is is really funny because they say that the the guy that the wwe hired had information that he that he poached from tna about talent that wwe could sign and um you know obviously there what was that yeah i, be, I believe that was his name and he um he was like oh they said that he leaked out you know flair's contract was up and all these other guys that were that were up that WWE was going to sign and then TNA got pissed off, et cetera. We're going to sue you for, for breach. So that was one of the reasons why like Ric Flair hung around, um, getting divorced for the 82nd time and, um, you know, showing up, showing up all over the place to get a paycheck. Cause he couldn't come to WWE while that was going on. The lawsuit, you know, was dismissed today from what a lot of sites are saying, but Sometimes a lot of companies dismiss a lawsuit to refile it. So unless it's dismissed fully and they settled behind the scenes, there's always the probability that they could refile. Together and just kind of wait until the next year and start everything fresh and like uh, 
uh, went to shows, trying to get those good things in like, you know, just things that uh, used to be like in shape and stuff like that, and she wanted to start from scratch, so that's what I've been doing. I've been doing just local shows last year, last couple of months, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like state of family stuff and being more into my school, my students, and something like just kind of refresh and then it's come right back, so that's a repeat. No, well, I, I think I think you did what doing that has been really beneficial for you. I think it it, it probably it probably helped get rid of a lot of nagging smaller injuries that you were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, you know, you got to be there for your kids. You know, you you have you you have young children, so you have you want to be there more often than not. The biggest regret I hear from some of these guys they do their you know when they do the big speeches and stuff, they're like, yeah, man, you know, it was it was great. But I wish I would have been there for this. Yeah. Yeah. So you're yeah, you're doing right. it right. Plus, like, you know, there's a time where you know, like, damn, I'm 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 spending too much time resting. Like, I gotta get back to my family, and it, especially if I'm not signed to a major company like Ring of Honor, CNA, WWE, and it's like I'm kind of like killing myself for not as much pay like how it used to be. Because on top of that, promoters became even more shady and more kind of like uh, looking out for themselves instead of the workers where uh, if you're worth something and you pay your dues to get that amount of money finally and kind of promoters just kind of like not give you that because uh, you're worth uh, four or five amazing reds that, that they work for 50 or 75 bucks. Um, which I understand because it's cheaper for the promoters. You know, why why get red for this much money when I can get four of them for this much? You know what I mean? Right. So I understand it, but I think it's unfair to guys like me and people who already, like, you know, paved the way for these young guys and these... Cause when, I, when I started on Indies, I didn't see a lot of Reds, you know? I was the only one. And uh, I kind of had a different style than a lot of people and the fact that I would mesh everything together. And uh, people would be aggravated if they were on shows with me because they were like, damn, Reds on the show, I have to step up my game or he's going to try to do every move in the book. And I was, like, kind of a threat to a lot of people, to our workers, and I made my own name like that. You know, it was it was very mysterious because I guess of my size and how much uh, I love Ray. But um, I kind of quickly, like, split that when I was doing my own thing. And a lot of these new guys in the last couple of years or so started coming out. And it's like my moveset became the generic basic moveset on these guys, you know. And, um, which, honestly, is not anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm fair about it. But the fact that the are like, No, I think I think that's one of the craziest things. Um, one of one of the big one of the big gripes I've had over the last few years with wrestling is that 
say say your fin say you have your finisher and your finisher is a, a standing uh standing moonsault or a standing shooting star press there it's no mm-hmm. longer it's no longer a finisher like people are using that as a transition now so it kind of waters down some of the stuff that you that you and countless guys have, person, have mastered I had a person I had a person in a wrestling show like I was uh I think I had stuff asked for the first two actions, they did the, the one like moves and like a body slam. And right at the beginning of it, yeah, well, I mean, you can at least either actually or just find out about the show. You know, I'm not a superstar or anything like that, but I mean, come on, I'm going to do that later on. That's like a finish, and they're doing it now. And, you know, as I was just in the back, <laughs> it's kind of like, that feels to me, but that's kind of like, it kind of sounds like to be tired. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of shit that kills me. There's no the the level of storytelling in matches is it's it's become and this is some one of the things that I see on so many wrestling message boards where they talk about guys that are spot monkeys that all they do is spot after spot after spot with no storytelling in between. And I, I to some degree I, I agree, but to another to another degree it's the fact that that's what they were taught. And that's what they see on television. So a lot of guys figure, oh, I got to emulate what I see on TV instead of applying psychology and and storytelling to a match. I understand you got ten minutes, but fuck, at least give me give me a bit of a story. Yeah, even uh, like I'll, I'll, you know, I'm gonna agree to that too because I used to do it too. But it's also promoters and the people you're working with. Like if you have bets, and they're kind of like telling you to do these moves, or more like hey, you know. I had this one promoter tell me that this was an entry for me, and they were like, uh, I haven't offended it much. The promoter was telling me that I better, that I'm better, I'm better, that I'm better, I'm better, and do everything I can to get those friends back in the seat because he doesn't want them to leave. I seriously kind of that. And I went out there and did my crazy stuff, you know, stop on ish. and uh, hurt myself on that thing, and he was happy about it, and that was it. It's to say his little Everybody wants having uh, kind of like an ECW match where you're taking on every five seconds, like every finish, and it's not like that. Like wrestling got lost, like the whole psychology they got lost. And that's why you gotta tell my students. That's why I kind of implant in their brain that I don't want them to wrestle like that. Even though at one, at a couple of times, you know, people are gonna want them to do that. I don't want them to wrestle like that. I want them to put in psychology, take your time, and sell everything. It's not about moves. It's not about doing moves and catching a holy shoot champ. You know what I mean? It's about taking care of everybody wrestling. Like, it's an art, man. Well, that's, that's about it. Well, no, the, the other thing, too, is that 
it, it takes it takes it, its toll on your body. You know, the, these guys and and even yourself. Just just think about some of the some of the matches you've had over the years, and you and afterwards you go, mm-hmm. damn, you know that match took that that match took six months off my life. You know. <laughs> Exactly, man. I'm an old ass man right now. <laughs> come on, come on. Uh, now, don't make me feel old. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean like you know, like body wise, bro. Like when I get up, I'm like, what the hell happened? But um, it's all that stuff that happened. Nobody, you know, was. Oh, you know, you don't have to bump like this. Oh, you don't have to kill yourself in this match. I, I got to protect you. Only a couple of people, and um, I, you know it. It, well, now obviously I know way more than I did back in the day, but I mean, even when I t- try to take these guys aside and teach them, they're like, they're not gonna listen. They once you hear that pop on time, like from the from the crowd of doing something crazy, you're gonna want that sound in every match, like four or five times, like a drug. How how's it been? I think it's that. No, well, that's one thing that that a lot of these guys talk about and. Yeah, it's it's the it's the pop, the energy of the crowd. It, the the guy I've heard multiple guys. I I think even Tom, Tommy Dreamer said it best. He goes, I could walk, I could walk into the arena, put three ice bags on, two on each knee, and one on my neck, and as soon as that crowd pops, nothing hurts. Yeah, exactly. Everything goes away. It, it, it's it's get that. Go ahead. So you're saying the back? As soon as everything you say in the back, you're like, wow. <laughs> falling apart have you have you been monitoring you know the product from 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 all the companies you know tna wwe ring of honor have you have you been doing your homework while you've been teaching while i've been teaching i've done my homework all my life man (laughs) since i since i started since i started with mikey and hwa like 1998 99 i if you know if it's a promotion that i want to go in or just just to look at it. I mean, I'm a mark of everything. I, I see everything. And if I'm not into the internet and getting it from there, I'm making sure somebody does and somebody gets it to me. You know, I'm always looking out for things. I'm not that guy that, you know, that worker, that wrestler, that when you go, oh, you watch TNA? And I go, no, I don't watch that stuff, man. Or you go, oh, you watch TV? Oh, no, I don't, I don't have time for that. No, I'm not like that. I'm, I legit tell you the truth. Yes, I watch everything. <laughs> I watch your ass. This is what I love. I don't love wrestling just for one company. I love everything. Everything that has to do with wrestling, I watch and I see. And you know, I like critiquing stuff in my own head and you know stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I love being a fan. Like I hate when people, when fans just watch wrestling like nowadays, and they're just so fast to critique everything. Like they're uh, just they're neither for wrestling. You know what I mean? Like just watch it and enjoy it. Like either way, if the is messing up or you know, just watch it. They're doing it for you. You know what I mean? Like they're risking their lives, their families, or even paydays. Just put on a show and just sit there, shut up, and watch the match. Well, you know what? You know, what's, <laughs> you know, you know what the funny thing is with that, and, and 
and it's it, it falls under two schools of thought because I I you know I consume wrestling from two angles. I consume it as a fan, and then I consume it for for this for the show, and you know so sometimes you got you go in there and you do play armchair Booker. I do it all the time, especially Mondays. Mondays we go through and and we have some fun with Raw and we talk a lot of shit, but. At the end of the day, there's still an acknowledgement of the craft, you know, especially, you know, just, just becoming... Uh, you, always, you always put over how much you are been working on. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about, I think I knew something about kids like seven years old, and they're using, like, worker terms and saying, you know, pay for this, and like, what the, how the heck did they get all this? Like, and they're just watching, oh, 16-year-old just acting like this, like, man, and... I don't, like, everybody's doing it now. I'm just saying, how are you supposed to do a question? How are you supposed to get better if you guys are bearing it every five seconds? Something happens. And I like, you, the story I write, I know we have a big job and, you know, we have to constantly come over a story and some like something that's going to be interesting, but I don't know how a big job is, you know what I mean? Like, constantly come up with crazy stories and stuff like that, but I understand until I get frustrated when I see certain things, but, I mean, I still do it. Like, I still care about the, the workers and, and everybody, the refs to people who, who go behind the camera and the big videos. I love all that. I love the whole process of it. Well, you know what's funny with that, and 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 this has been happening a lot uh, lately. And it's funny that you say buried because we actually, you know, we have a column called Buried. You know where we call a lot, of, where you know a lot of the guys call out a lot of the bullshit that happens because I, you know, and this is something I I want your take on because. You see a guy. Let's take let's take Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder, pretty much created, built, and cultivated his own gimmick. Guy worked his ass off, goes on TV, sells merchandise, moves product, gets shitted on. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and for and for me, it frustrates me because here's a guy that 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 eats, sleeps, and breathes this shit sells merch and is just is just under the boot heel of 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 somebody i somebody in upper management has to hate his fucking guts you know yeah sometimes it takes just that one person that's like you and, and you're just being stuck wherever you're at and uh trust me i'm doing part of that <laughs> it kind of sucks when you don't know who it is and, and why it's happening but you know and, and it doesn't have to be with uh selling merch or the guy could wrestle good or sell good or it just kind of just take one person just not to like you for some reason, and that's all it takes. Like, if they had enough power or enough push in there and pull, like, he could do it. Yeah, it sucks. And that's that's the kind of thing, like, a lot of the things that we acknowledge, and and even, and sometimes it's just the fact, like, like the Slammies, we, you know, they gave, they gave Jerry Lawler comeback of the year, and, you know, we clown Jerry Lawler, because, you know, he's a crazy, dirty old man, and I met him at Comic-Con, he's an awesome, he's an awesome human being, like, I met him, and he's a cool dude. But it's like, yo, here's this award for not dying. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what the shit was, and that's the kind of shit that gets me tight. Because it's like, yo, you got guys out there busting their ass that have come back from, from adversity or just in general. But you're giving this guy, it's like, yo, here's this award for not dying. Because that's really what it was. It's like, it's like, it's like let's, not, let's, not shit, let's not shit on the audience. Because, yeah, you know, we're, we're supposed to be marks, and we're supposed to be... You know, not in the loop. That's where they already did that though, because I didn't, I didn't see that. Yo, they, they gave him an award for comeback of the year, and they made sure to play the ki- of the clip of him nearly dying. You know, when he had the stroke on air, 
you could hear his breathing like <gasps> like that. Yeah, it's like yo the guy is oh. dying on air and you play the clip and then you know michael cole serious voice and then it's like comeback of the year and they show his triumphant return and shit and i'm like yo you gave this guy an award for dying it's like it's like hi just just walk out on stage and 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 whip your balls out for the audience to appreciate that's really what you did it's like yo hey look at me i'm not dead and that that's what i'm saying and that's the kind of stuff that 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 upsets me because it's like you got guys back there who who are solid who are solid guys and it's like yo you never see them like when cm punk mm-hmm. dropped his his quote unquote pipe bomb this week and he, and he, you know, last week, and he talked about Tyson Kidd. And it's like, dude, you you came out here and you and you name-dropped Tyson Kidd, and that's great. You know, it's great that you name-dropped the dude, but people have known for the longest that he's good. <laughs> yeah, what, wasn't he, like, saying, um, I'm putting him over in the fact that he's a workhorse and then he kind of gets, like, shitted on, too? Yep. And, no, like, because it's true, man, like, uh, especially younger guys, smaller guys, man, we have it. We have the hard part of it, bro, because uh, we can be workhorses and do all this stuff, and like we're with it every time we go there. And just, I guess, depending on our size and how we are, I guess, ow, I can't say it's standing part of because I wasn't, you know, I've never been part of really started right now on TV yet. But um, they did a good job. I think they treated everybody in there. They gave everybody a chance, I think. So I'm not saying they had a good run, but he was always in season, right? So, and I think he was also too. And uh, I like the same thing was doing, though. I know a lot of guys, uh, problems and stuff comes from, 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 like, inside, you know, and he actually does try to get guys like us over and, uh, not, you know, more um, TV time and more credit, which is awesome, because a lot of people, you know, they just share over us and we're just here. <laughs> and, you know, there'll be, like, guys that they make, you know, you know, I saw Loki up there, Loki Ryan up there. It kind of looked like a hard time coming because they don't really like guys who are already named, you know, that they pay their own dues. Uh, they want to kind of make you themselves, and that's how you get over. But America's already turned things around, and he's super over now, and I'm happy for him, and I did it. So, uh, so you know, same thing too. So, uh, at least, you know, there's a different guy like me who uh, don't do it for small or too English to get in. Yeah, but. To use to use that stigma, the the quote unquote indie stigma, it it, it bothers it bothers me as a fan because every major league baseball player started in the minors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to to equate to equate that level of work as inferior is just is just fucking stupid. It's like oh you know what because you came up through the WWE system and your offense consists of punch kick punch yell to the crowd and do your finisher and go home, you're a better performer than the guy who, you know, sleeps in his car, performs in front of, in front of a crowd of 50, gives us a quote-unquote four-star match, and goes home. I get it. You're better because, because you know, the, you got the silver spoon white glove treatment. Oh, I'm sorry. That that shit kind of kills me, too, because it, you a lot of these guys are on the, on the independent circuit, they get there, and then the WWE pulls their identity right out from under them. So then those guys that were yeah, known for problem. being... That's what I'm hoping they don't do with Jericho. I don't think they just leave him... I guess they're going to fix something on him, but I, 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 I hope he should stay, you know, he would fix the Jericho, because 
He's awesome, and a lot of these indie guys, I guess they're trying to do it now, they're trying to get the top indie guys, which is awesome. But I just hope they don't just change us completely around in the fact that, you know, oh, this is, it's a lot of miracle, and his name is Kiki, uh, or something like that, you know what I mean? And they make him not with a mask and do some kind of, I don't know, but um, then it'll kill it, it'll kill his whole fan base, like that he already has, I mean, I just think he's awesome. I, I, don't, I don't know why we keep doing that. I hope they don't. I'm not sure, but they're going to be making me probably something new and kind of making me also his brother. I don't know. <laughs> I just sound like that's the age. Just kind of like to say, here, you can remember that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, one, you know, I, Antonio Cesaro is a guy, I've watched that guy wrestle for years, you know, when he, when he as Claudio and and Kings of Wrestling and all that shit. And when he came in and yeah. they gave him the valet and all this shit, I'm like, oh, here we go. And then they fi- somebody finally paid attention and they were like, yo, this dude does not need a chick to get over. Just let the guy go out there and wrestle. He'll be okay. And that's exactly what happened. And sometimes, I, you know, for every negative thing I see, there's some positives as well. I'm surprised they've let him do it. I mean, don't get me wrong, him going out there and and giving the great Kali the neutralizer, it's like it's like, all right, dude, you're gonna be you you won't be able to sit down right for a week, but you know, you do what you gotta do. Yeah. I mean, hopefully wide enough because uh, you know, that's just a smart thing to do. All these you know they can there, you wanna make it more watch a movie, you wanna have to tune in. Get the hottest guys in the Indies. Get the hottest guys around. And trust me, you're gonna get a lot of people and I think TNA was trying to do that too. That's why they try to do this whole four figure views a year and try to do uh, exhibition tapings and trying to bring everybody back from exhibition. Because I guess they're trying to hop on it too, you know. Uh, I mean, it's a smart thing to do. They should. Cause wrestling kind of sucks, like in, the, in, in some sense, and they need to start doing new things just to bring it back. Well, one of the things. When you get. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. You're on a roll. <laughs> No, I said, why wouldn't you get the, you know, how his dad is there out right now? It just makes perfect sense. Just go get them. <laughs> they want they want the job. That's why we're here. We're here to reach, you know, the the top of the top. And if it's not bringing them on WWE, I mean, if it's not bringing them on TNA, WWE, or, you know, Japan, but we're here for those reasons. We're not here to stay in Indies. No, absolutely not. I mean, one of, one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you about was just the expansion of of going beyond the indies, a lot of a lot of guys now they're doing other projects. They're really embracing social media, um, really trying to market themselves before they make it to any promotion. And one of the things that you that you did that I, I actually wanted to talk to you about, you had done a documentary a while back. Oh yeah, and I wanted to ask about yeah. I wanted to ask about <laughs> oh, that. Oh wow, it was yeah. like a it was like a John Cena rock buildup <laughs> for a whole year. Yeah, it it took a minute, man. But the fact that you just opened up that that aspect of your life to to do that, you know, how was that experience? And where'd you get the idea to decide to to chronicle that? Well, they came up to me like a while ago because I guess I just uh, left TNA and um, you know I was pay- I was in the school more and uh, Ryan came up to me saying that somebody came up to him and see if he wants to do a, a documentary on my life so far just because. A lot of people relate or are going to relate to me because of my size and I came from Brooklyn and, you know, I didn't have anything really and I just ended up being in TNA with an action figure and having matches with WWE and, and Japan. And you know, so, sorry, how did you come up and how did you get all these moves and you didn't get anything? So I was like, 
You sure you want me? And like, yeah, I really want to put on you. I was like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not nothing. <laughs> and I always, I always, like, very humble to have that. Uh, I don't know, like, I just, I feel like I'm not, I guess, uh, I feel like I'm not anything from, like, uh, like, well, I don't want to know my business or my life or how I got, I just figured no one would care. Because that's how, you know, I know I have fans and stuff like that, but I figured as far as that sense, like, seeing my life that, Nobody would really care, and it wouldn't sell, and I would be kind of like just looking stupid and just even trying to promote it. Right. So I was like, nah, I don't think so. And he was like, no, trust me, man. A lot of people like you, and they, you know, uh, you have a lot of fans, and you have a lot of people that want to know. And it took me a long time, and I just kept saying no, 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 all right. So I had to know, we're going to follow you a couple of times and see what you do and uh, get your story on how you started. Because I have a whole bunch of old VHS tapes that I would make movies and I knew if it, if it wasn't going to be a pro wrestler I was going to become when I grew up it was going to be a stuntman like for a martial arts movie because <laughs> that's all I did I just did like stunts I would go outside and have fights and uh, choreograph things and record them with my, my stuff out of the camera and just kind of break things and jump on mother's bed so I, I figured it was something <laughs> where me taking bumps <laughs> it was either wrestling or it was being a stuntman so um I said, yeah, and I got, I was really uh, shocked of all the feedback I got back. And when I started to first promote it, and a lot of people wanted to know, and people were happy, and a lot of, even workers came up to me, and, because, uh, obviously, Brian and the guy had me footage from people, like, talking about me. They did it behind my back. But when I saw it, I finally saw it, like, the other day. When I finally saw it, I was like, wow, a lot of people respected me. You know, a lot of workers, and a lot of, uh, People who I wrestled for, they said nice things about me, and I kind of like was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" Because I, I was like ignoring that fact. You know, I, I didn't really pay attention to it as much, but I didn't know how much I had, how much of an impact I had on a lot of people. Even these new indie stars and these new workers that just came out, like how much of an impact I had on them. And they was, uh, they said they started because of me. They they saw me wrestling when I, when, when they were younger, when I was younger, and um, for a guy my size to get where I'm at made them get up off their couch and want to do it and, you know, uh, come become a professional wrestler and they're, they're doing interviews now. And that's so cool to hear that actually helped a lot of people out. Even uh, older vet workers, you know, talking about me and saying I'm humble and I'm going to be uh, a big thing in this business, you know, soon. And that's cool to hear. So I was real happy about it. Now, as far as the DVD being dropped when it was supposed to be dropped, <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> uh, that was the whole <laughs> that was a whole other story. No, uh, well, it, it, it's part of the craft, I'm, but you know it comes with the territory. But the fact that you actually opened up your your life like that is is is, is huge. Only because it's a it's another outlet that that other performers have haven't really been using. You know, like, you're, yeah, you're like, hey, look at my life. Thing, um, uh, what yeah. No, I said, I said, you know, just telling people, hey, look at my life is a, it, it, it's huge, you know, because yeah. you're really exposing that, that side of the business that yeah, people already are already. Yeah. I, I show my house, I show my kids, and usually I kind of take the secret in me, but I, it's so sad, man, and I, I want to see everything. I mean, I this, is I can't show, but I show a lot, and, um, <laughs> the, it's cool the way everything happened. A lot of stuff that wasn't on DVD that I, that I had it now, 
tell you so so what are you doing you're making the copies and sending them out yourself need to send them out talk to me off air because I, I might have a solution for you oh, okay, gotcha. cool. <laughs> um other thing i wanted to talk want about one? which huh you want one yeah of course we could we could we could probably also uh do it do a giveaway for one but we'll talk about that afterwards i did i did want to ask about the um the wrestling revolution project man i've been waiting what's what's really good no, I don't. I have no idea what happened with that, man. I, I was dying for that to come out. And uh, the last thing I heard was that same time we did it, it was supposed to come out uh, January of um, 2012. And it was supposed to come out on Netflix, from what I remember. And it never came out. I actually saw a second season that I think he did with the Young Bucks. And that's on YouTube now. I don't know what it's called, but I don't know what happened to the first one, which was like... Uh, had me, Chris Hero, um, uh, what's his name? MVP was on air with you. Yeah, MVP. Like, it was it was awesome, too. And especially the character they had me do. Like, I was the only one that cursed <laughs> the whole show. Yeah, you had a nice mask, too. The mask they gave you was legit. Yeah, it was like a Milmaka kind of <laughs> looking mask, like Iron Man yeah, but, dude. I mean, it was a cool-ass idea, and I'm, I'm still waiting for it to come out. I got to hit that guy up. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I emailed him. I emailed him after, I think, we, you and I did our, our, our second interview, because I want, he, you know, he's been on the show as well, and I was like, dude, you know, I want to catch up and, you know, get together and, you know, talk about this, and... I didn't even hear back, so that's why I figured, I'm like, let me, let, when, when next time Red comes on, I'm going to ask him, because maybe I missed it, but... Good. I'm glad we're on the same page and we don't know what the fuck is going on. Oh yeah, I don't know what's going on. I didn't, I'm, I've been dying to see it just because I want to see how it looks. Because we didn't get to see how it looks, I and mean, it's supposed to be shot in like, a movie camera. And, uh, it was just awesome, and the promos they had, and everybody's storyline. I was really interested in how it was going to come out. I wanted to like kind of watch the whole thing, so I was hoping it would come out on Netflix, but it never did. And I heard, I kept hearing about. Uh, second season or something like that on YouTube and the Young Bucks when they did it where it was like almost the same thing and they were fighting like a garage I don't know what it's called but uh, it's on YouTube now I think I saw it on YouTube yeah then I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to see what the deal is with that because like I said I've you know I was I was waiting and shortly shortly after he was on we 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 actually talked about you on air when he was on and then when you told me you were doing it I was like all right so 
it, it's coming together nicely. So I said, all right, when it's ready, I'll follow up and we'll we'll build it out. So, all right, I figured mm-hmm. one, one of us is bound to find something out then. Well, oh yeah, of course. I I wanted to just um switch gears a little bit out out of wrestling. I know I know we, you know we've been uh talking a lot of wrestling, but we also I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about some MMA because you know no more strike force. Oh, yeah, no more strike force. Guys are making the the jump over. I know I know you're kind of hype right now. <laughs> well, no, because a lot, he, you know, I, I personally thought G, you know, like like GSP was going to unify the belts, like that's everything that I figured yeah. was going to happen. But it looks now like a lot of those guys that are coming in aren't going to even get that shot. Yeah, it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be like how uh, Vince shut down WCW. Uh, there was so many guys, you know, to do with them. So it's like some of them didn't get time, some of them didn't. And, uh, I just hope everybody gets uh, you know, a chance and some kind of good fight. I know the last thing that I heard was last Saturday, right? Yeah, Strike Force was last Saturday. Then uh, Bel- Belfort and, and Bisping fight this Saturday. Yeah, that's my show. <laughs> your boy, and your boy Dan Hardy fights on uh, on Fox. Uh, in April, he's gonna fight Matt Brown. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's gonna fight Matt Are Brown for a U.S. Um, no, uh, from from what I gathered that I was gonna mention, Dan Hardy's gonna fight Matt Matt Brown for UFC on Fox Seven. Then Chael is um, he's fighting John Jones in Jersey. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. uh, in the point seven five eight. Oh, so you know you you know you're gonna have to sell your soul to go to that card. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping somebody was like, "Give me tickets." You never know. You gotta uh, drop a drop drop a, a a couple of nuggets in the missus ear. Maybe you'll get lucky. Let's <laughs> see. Let's see. <laughs> no, but I figured uh, I figured cool. I would run that by you because you know I, I mean I mean you know Dan Hardy's one of your boys, but. Him him getting a shot on this Fox card is a pretty big deal now. Like they're starting to to put a little more more energy back into him. I think I think they were worried that they were gonna have to cut him. Yeah, yeah, and that's like uh, he did good. Like he tried to work more and less in the game. He looked really good. He was just like uh, stopping takedowns and everything. So I think he just he likes to fight. You know what I mean? So I think he just loves being the fans that they want to see, and that's why I think they kept him so long because he knows they're not going to fight. But you do have to evolve and get your other games up. You know what I mean? I think that's that was one of his uh, his faults. Uh, he didn't really pay attention to this stuff because he was doing something with stand up, and like people love stand up more than wrestling. So I guess is what happened. But I mean, if it was me after Chiefs came in a therapy like that, I would pop in the gym and I would have done wrestling right away. But uh, he's already not, and I hope he stays with a couple more fights. So I think he got this fight with Matt Brown. Yeah, I, th- I think the Matt Brown fight is going to be good. Matt Brown, though, you know, he, he tagged Mike Swick and put Mike Swick to sleep. So, you know, it's, it, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. a little a little concerning. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they already makes the same too. So let's just see what happens. I did, I did, want, 
I did want to tell you, if you can't get out to see the the UFC, there's going to be a Muay Thai fights next month. They're going to do it at um at Rockaway at the um at the Resort World Casino at Rockaway. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. The Muay Thai fights are legit. This promotion, um, take on they um they put on awesome shows. They did Madison Square Garden at their last show, and I I did their first show in Flushing. Dude, it's a it's a problem. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Tickets are legit too. If you go to um, I think it, it if you go to East Coast MMA the store, they usually give out tickets when you buy merch. So if I find out, I'll I'll plug you in. Oh, cool! That'd be awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, so. Tell you, uh, yeah. So hey. you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know how it goes. But of course, um, it's almost twelve thirty. But you got the um, you got the big you got the big card this weekend, and um. Are you doing any other shows besides this this month, or is that going to be just the main show? Um, so far, I think that's that's it for this month. Um, but me and Brian are trying to put like all of our last chips on uh, upcoming March show. The House of Glory is going to be like all House of Glory. We're going to try to see if we get some of our friends to come help us and do this like big show and kind of like uh, it's going to hopefully I want it to be like our WrestleMania. Because before I wasn't so keen on doing shows, like wrestling shows, I just was more focused on wrestling school and training. Right. But I kind of see a wrestling show does help out the school, helps out the, the kids, the students, and the local people around here. They want to see wrestling shows because a lot of people around here don't, don't you know, don't throw shows. So, you know, it's a good idea. So I would take, like, I think I would do where, you know, one month we do a show, the next month we'll skip it, and then we'll try again. So kind of space them all like that but march we're trying to put like all our chips to something in march like a big house of joy show hopefully the people who we want uh get to come and do that so that'll be awesome yeah well but as far as that everything is quiet uh until i find out the big news and uh i'll be sure to let you know if anything happens but yeah no i'm just gonna be doing local shows and stuff like that not nothing too big well good i mean definitely keep me in the loop for that i did um I did want to ask you, I heard um, ICW folded. I mean, you worked with them a lot, so, and it, it kind of, yeah. it's, it's it's you know, the, the death of another local promotion. How's it feel? Does, uh, you know, what happens now with regards to, to more local shows? Are you looking to do more shows on your own to kind of fill that gap? I mean, if, if, I'm, if, if I had money like that, I would, and if I knew people would pay and, uh, like, Fan-wise, I, w- I would, and it's just hard to even do a whole wrestling promotion, you know, wrestling show thing because it's like a big headache in doing it. I, if somebody would come and help me, I would gladly do it, but I don't have a thousand people helping me like some other people do, and uh, I'm happy for them that everybody's throwing shows, and even though I should have been closed again, like, since they do it all the time, I'm kind of like used to it. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it didn't hit me as bad. The only thing is that I had four dates with them in March. Oh, shit. And one of them I couldn't do because I had an event that day, but I almost canceled that day event to do ICWs, and I only felt a little stupid now if I would cancel it, you know I mean? So I like, those four dates, I have to cross those out and kind of see if I can look at something else now because I already confirmed those dates, but now they're not there. So I think that part sucks because it's hard to check and I wish that's the best somebody does and 
his children family, and that's, that's awesome for him. And uh, how the worker goes in the car, we get work elsewhere, but, you know, that's how, that's how it shows up, man. You think you got to do a show, and then, bam, life hits you, and you get, you get the show finishes, and you for nothing. <laughs> I, yeah, I had, I had to ask you about it, because it's like, you know, you guys do your shows, and I've seen a couple other outlets, they do their shows, and it's just weird when one when one promotion folds. I never understood then how that how that gets distributed. You know, it's like it's like when one of the smaller when one of the smaller uh, promotions folds, and then that talent is is oh, it's open season for that talent. I was always curious at how that worked on the independent circuit. No, it's pretty much not like that at all. You know, it's not, and no, it's WWE and and the side where the talent is getting picked up. The talent the end of the show anyway. You know what I mean? So I think they're just forever show. And it'll be that it'll be that easy. I did again to check, you know, his stuff about it for Chloe again, but I think other than that, that's what we do. We just have a show. And uh, I guess the rest of the ones will be creative big deal, but it's not doing that like that. We do that kind of work. Works around here, like such the East Coast has been kinda of like uh kinda of like hard and there's not really nothing around here as much. But um, I thought I really want to help make, make it cool like I used to be. You know, the East Coast is the bottom right now. So I want to see if it's like that again. If it gets to be like that. No, I, I, I definitely, I, I agree that the, on the on the East Coast, that the independent circuit is, is hit and miss. So, you know, whatever whatever you guys can do to bring that up, you know, you definitely have our support. Yeah. I love this. There you go. All right, man. So we're good. We're we're pretty much covered. Um, of course, Red will be wrestling for the Winter Wonder Slam this coming Saturday. He'll be taking on Eddie Kingston. Also on that card, Danny DeMonto taking on Brian XL. Sabu will also be there. He'll be taking on the Grim Reefer. There will be autographs as well. Bell time is going to be 7.30. Tickets start at $15. You can find out more information by going to the House of Glory website, the House of Glory Facebook fan page, and of course, Following Amazing Red on Twitter at Amazing Red One. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, you got it. You know, but if uh, they can't get uh, tickets, I guess they don't want to come to the door again. You can get them on uh, FTW. Uh, I think it's called Wrestling Pro Wrestling on Blackout.com and Island um, House Glory Island.com. If not, just show up at the door and you can have a good time. Yeah, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and get it, get over there. It may it may not be at seven thirty, but I'll try and get over there at least at some point. Maybe I'll see if I can at least get there when you wrestle. Don't worry, it won't it won't be the uh, it won't be an, uh, a Lorenz Dean beating. It'll just be a, <laughs> that d- just be dude. A the Lor- <laughs> the Lorenz Dean beating probably was one of the most exhausting matches I've seen for me because there was a lot of everything. There was there was brawling, there was there was violence. There, there was the um, the Alex Reyes heel turn, the Dean family. Oh, d- dude, I walked out of there drenched in sweat. Dude, it was a complete NWO style story. I was done, dude. Like it, it was, it was good. And you know, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. Lorenz beating knew how. Lorenz knew how to take a beating. Well, the thing is, the reason why it was like that is because the first time, you know. It wasn't like that, and I kind of was like, "Wait a second, I'm the wrestler. He's the new guy. He doesn't know anything about wrestling." Like now, I can do 
strong style. Like now I can't because I'm the wrestler here. I have to show him. So he was invited to come practice and take bumps and learn how to wrestle and learn how to take a beating. He was invited for free for a couple of times and he never showed up. So I took that as, okay, you think you got this? You think wrestling is easy? You know, I remember I had you take a bump? Yep. Even my wife said a bump. Yep. Like you did this more than he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's all I want him to do. Just, just yo, wrestling is dangerous, man. If you don't know what you're doing, you just get hurt, you even die. So, when you took that, that, that one bump, I, I don't know if you took a bump before that or after that, but that bump, it was a good bump too, but, but did you, did you feel anything? Did your head shake or did you get lightheaded? I, I, the first bump that I did with you guys, it, it definitely stung. The second bump that sounded like an A-bomb went off in the gym, I definitely, <laughs> you know, my ears felt a little numb the next morning, but... Uh, unfor- unfortunately, I you know I ended up wa- I've been one of the people that watched Tough Enough, so I said, "Oh, that was from taking the bump yesterday." But yeah, my you know my ears were ringing <laughs> because I had you know I, uh, hello I don't I don't do this shit, so it was crazy that yeah. I did it. And the first bump was okay, and then that second bump, I, you were like, "Oh man, that was good." And then I woke up the next day, I'm like, "Fuck me," because I said <laughs> I said to myself, "I'm like, if that's just me taking one." These guys are taking 10 before they even, just to warm up. <laughs> yeah, man. But That's I liked true. it, dude. Yeah. I, 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 I actually liked it. I was like, yo, that was, that was pretty badass. So, you know, and, and you know, you, you had your missus take a bump. And it's like, if your missus take a bump and I take a bump it, and, and, and it fucked us up, it's like, you know, you guys, you guys have a different it's a better appreciation and that's something that I that I've that I've said in a couple of write-ups and even on air it's a different appreciation when you take when you take that initial bump and you realize like damn exactly. it's so easy to rip on somebody it's so easy to say oh that's easy how come he didn't do this how come he didn't do that but it's so different when you're in there and if there's a crowd around you while you're bumping and it's very hard wrestling is not a joke man and that's all I want I just want people just to realize who because you could diss uh, a certain somebody and you can scar his life forever, you know what I mean? But if you get in there and, and see for yourself, you, you'll have a heart after that. Like, damn, these guys, they pay their dues. Like, they, they, they do a lot for us, you know, and we do. No, I, the, 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 spot, the spot for me probably was, was a high point because I said to myself, this is this is legit. That and, and breaking down the ring, you know, because I, I, now, now I understand that there's, a, there, there, there's a, a deeper camaraderie than just going in there and learning the craft, you know? Like you, you had your students break it down from the beginning to the end, set up the arena, mm-hmm. break down the arena, close everything out, sweep, make sure everybody, it's done. Everybody goes home, but we gotta stay there, you know. No, that that it, that, that, that's how it is. It's it's yeah. one of those things where um, you know, there's a, it's it's very it's very important to just demonstrate that side and. That's one of the things I, you know, I try to always reference and people are like, oh, you know, you're going to go and, and, and take bumps. I said to myself, the next time I go through, if I do it, I want to take the bumps and video that for, for, for the, for the site and stuff. So that's something definitely will, will, will collabo on just because. Oh, dude, I, 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 I definitely would probably take a suplex. And probably a body slam. I just got to make sure I don't got Tim's on that day. (laughs) 
no 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 Tims, no 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 heavy ass jeans. But I, I yeah, I, fuck it, I'll take I'll take a, a suplex. But but somebody somebody's gonna have to let me at least do do a standing vertical. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. 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 I if it's from your childhood or something that you brought up, something in you is not right. And that's how you become a wrestler. You love this kind of pain. Like how some people love tattoos and that pain. But there's something like that. Well, I, th- I think there's no way you can be normal and be a wrestler. No, I think it, I think it's it's partly also the adrenaline and just being just being involved in that aspect of it. It's it's the same thing with with you know with guys that they go and they. You know, tattooing is a great example, but even even guys that fight professionally, it's like there's there there's a barrier that you break mentally where you're like, yo, I don't mind getting punched in the face, I don't mind getting dropped on my head, I don't mind a chair shot. Cause not for nothing, dude. Terry Funk is a living, breathing example of that. <laughs> him 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 and Ric Flair, but I think Ric Flair Ric Flair is partially alimony. I, I just, I don't think it hurts in a way for myself. I just think he loves, I don't know, because he doesn't have to get in the ring. I just think he's in the ring. Not only does he get in the ring, he just bumps. He don't have to bump either. And he bumps for people. Even though those those bad cops, but he still just loves taking those bumps. He doesn't have to go up there. I just think he loves it like that. Where even his taunt is a bump. It's his own face to us. You know what I mean? Like, even his own taunt. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand how the hell that guy. No, 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 joking, dude. He should get the award for not dying in there. Exactly, because he be so wilding out. Like, he, he's the reason why I'm like. You know, people oh, if you wrestle, you're gonna die at thirty. If you wrestle, you're gonna get you know spines and problems and be in a wheelchair at twenty five. And I'm like, they can make fun. I can say he did. Like he's fine and. I think, you know, and that would have been a moment just like that. I'm like, at Ric Flair. Look at Hogan. And it wasn't for Hogan, like, that, what was it, like, a hip or a spinal thing he had? Yeah, spinal I mean, surgery. He's still, he's still moving, though, you know? And Hogan, if it wasn't for the other thing he has, he would have still been wrestling. Yeah, well, he's um he's suing oh. the... He's suing the doctor that did his spinal surgery because, according to him, you know, he lost a $50 million payday because he was going to do his last match with John Cena. And all kidding aside, dude, I'd rather watch fucking paint dry. (laughs) That match would have been such bullshit. Imagine Cena trying to sell the boot from Hogan. Come on. (laughs) I mean, I can't believe Cena had a so-so match with The Rock. Like, I thought that was like, wow. Because it's The Rock. Like, The Rock can make anybody look good, but it just... Cena's good in, like, kind of working it, like, the crowd and stuff like that. But, I mean, this guy has to clean his bumps, bro. How you can't take a rock bottom good? Dude, he took... He, he, <laughs> he took a... He took a rock bottom. He took, he took a rock bottom, at like, like, if somebody dropped Stephen Hawking in a wheelchair. It's like, yo... I don't understand that. Like, why is that? He threw a back bump. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, dude. He didn't... He had no bounce... He just he just fell like a like a like a flop fish. 
it's it's such an ugly bump. Uh, I don't like, I don't know why the Rock didn't just tell him after the because this is the maybe the, the third or fourth fourth time that he took the Rock Bottom shitty. I would have told him after the second time. Listen, for WrestleMania, you take it like this. You fall straight on your back, not sit down. He lands like right on his hip, like right on his butt, and it makes the move look so ugly. That's why I didn't think that was the finish. When he did that rock bottom WrestleMania, I was like, oh, that's not the finish. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the people that st- that sell the Stone Cold Stunner, the guys that sit on their ass, and then the guys that pop and do the back bump when they get <laughs> yeah. the stunner. You know, when you get the stunner, you, you you do the back bump and you fall back like you got shot in the chest. Some of the dudes, they take the stunner and they fall on their ass. It's just like, oh, my God, that's the worst, that's the worst <laughs> sell ever. What the fuck happened? That shows how lazy they are. Like, The Rock would take that move and he'll kill himself after he sells that move. Like, it, it was just like breakdancing, doing head spins. <laughs> the Rock was breakdancing when he ate that GTS, dude. He was convulsing and shit. You know who does that good? <laughs> Devon. Devon always looks like he is shot by a taser when he's selling. Oh yeah, with the Johnny Rod so Yeah, he'd be like, <laughs> the shaking, the shakes that he does. <laughs> Dude, it's a it's a trip, man. It's a trip. I, I I was gonna I was gonna break your balls when 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 you called in and ask if you were gonna get unmasked as a member of Aces and Eights, but I figured. A lot of people actually, a lot of people actually didn't know. Dude, because that stable and legit didn't know until I saw it because I was a. Watching the Sun Monarchy, well, my wife and I started going to that. I saw all seasons, and I showed up. And I saw the kids talking about it from the and they were saying that was Jenny's version of Sun Monarchy. Yep. What is it? But I finally saw it. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But um, dude, I didn't get Devon. Yeah, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you, and and this is me critiquing the fuck out of it, dude. It's like if, if the payoff is Devon. Mike Knox and Luke Gallows. It's like it's like yo, just throw me in a fucking wood chipper, because that it's like you know you know when you unveil somebody in a stable, it's supposed to be a big fucking deal. Like like I heard at one point, and, and it was a rumor that one of them was gonna be D'Lo, and I'm like yo, if it's D'Lo, I'm not watching this shit anymore. One of them was D'Lo. One of them was D'Lo. Holy yeah, shit! D'Lo was legit in it. Oh, oh come on! That's insane, dude. Like, yeah. it, all all I'm saying is just just unveil that Bully Ray is the mastermind, and bring the shit full <laughs> circle. Yeah, like, like, like. Well, no, unveil that bully raised the big dude in 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 the mask, you know, yeah. or something. Well, I mean, I was actually like, I don't, I don't think they have any more ideas. So I guess this will be more. I don't know. It, it's it's weird, man. But it, it it's funny. It's funny that I, you know, we were joking about it. and I said to myself, I'm gonna ask him if he's one of the one of the aces and eights, <laughs> just because, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's everybody at this point. Like, I looked one week and I'm like, that's gotta be the Bischoff kid. And then I'm like, that's Wes Briscoe. Like, I'm looking, and I can see right through which is which. I'm like, the second big-ass dude is Mike Knox. And he's first of all the time, too. He doesn't have to be the exact same guy. He's first of all. He's a kid that don't have to be the guy. He's first of all, you know. That's not like, even the movie. Like so it could be, at one point, it could be like, uh, just people in the back, you know. It could be like even Sting one time, just, just filling in for somebody. 
but uh, <laughs> that's how it is. They don't got enough guys. Jesus, that's a, that's some that's some crazy shit. I got I got a, I got a caller that has uh, some questions. I think I think it's Jay. Let me see. Jay Santi, what's up? Not too much, man. What's going on with you? You got the man in the And hopefully there's more coming out, and it would 
bring wrestling back because now you have choices again. And now it's, it'll be every week of the show. And I guess it'll be better because you could get to pick on uh, which one you want to go to. The thing is that when, when stuff like that happens, the only problem I think that happens that happened before is that promoters start getting too uh, Vince McMahon-ish where they want to keep their guys that they're using and they don't want them to work for the other company or the other indie. And I'm thinking, like, that shouldn't happen in independence because we're not, you know, WWE or TNA where we're giving guys contracts. We have a living and we have a living to make. And independent guys shouldn't be uh, contracted supposedly into indies. Yeah, that's what, that's what that's what I was leading to because that's what I was I was going to ask you if it if it's more is it the competitive nature for the promotion is it more a friendly competition or are we looking at where it could actually be doggy dog out there especially now yeah yeah no in the beginning it always ends up very good and people are helping each other out but just like in any other business it gets very cutthroat and it's like uh, you know on the low somebody promoters telling some some of their they're, you know, they're workers that they're cool with. Like, oh, I don't want you to work for this company next week. Oh, but why? Don't worry about it. Just, um, I'll give you something on the side, or you can come work for me. I'll pay you double. Just don't work for them because I want you to be my guy. So yeah. instead of instead of seeing like Amazing Red or Sissy like a guy like uh, Adam Cole or Kevin Steen or one of those guys, you can only see him at like House of Glory, or you can only see him at uh, uh, SCW. You know, and that's how it gets weird and funky because. Everybody would try to get out of the work and the outside. We're not like that. We're not going to be contracted to one place. This is how it got. We go to any to any to any. Like, I was funny. Like, I just don't want to, you know, I don't care. Like, I don't care about any other time. I'm going to be scared of the fact that, okay, it's all for this promotion. This promotion can not be, he won't book me anymore. Yeah. And I like working for him. So it's going to be, it's hard, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. 
Nah, people don't want to cry to the middle of the morning to the boonies. Like, they don't want to do that. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody well, wants to I do that. I just want to say this. Been a fan for the longest. I remember when Red was with, and I'm going to throw him back a little bit. I'm going to eat him a little bit. When he had his Angel, uh, Jill, and one of them started coming out with a sick click. Um, they had when they had their, their backyard wrestling. Uh, I, I was there. I saw it. Van Hayden was still friends. He was still friends. So you know that sometimes you know they still want to throw people in headlocks because of you know what you do out there. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, but um, just to say, uh, once again, be there Saturday and we can see it. Um, I know it's gonna be a good show because so far all kinds of glory hasn't hasn't failed yet. So good luck. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Hi, right, AJ. Peace. Later, Rich. Later. All right. See that? You 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 always you always bring them out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's wrap this up. Um, you got the big plug. Is there anything I missed? Is there anything else you gotta you gotta put out there? Documentary, school, uh, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, documentary is out. Uh, I got copies. Uh, if you want to order it, go to houseofgloryonline.com. Uh, go to PayPal through there. Um, wrestling school, you know, still accepting people. We're doing big things this year. And we got a show this Saturday at uh, our wrestling school. 1630 Woodfish Street, so, yeah. All right. Um, I'll, probably, I'll probably hit you up after I wrap up, just so you could talk about that other thing real quick. Gotcha. All right, brother. Thanks again. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Rich. Take care, bro. All right, brother. Peace. Later. All right, guys. That was Amazing Red. You can follow him on Twitter at AmazingRed1. You can also find House of Glory on Facebook. Look for House of Glory there. You can also follow Amazing Red on Facebook. If you want to check out either of those fan pages, just make sure to check out the favorites on the My Take Radio page, and you'll see in the likes column on the right-hand side, that House of Glory is listed in the favorites, and so is Amazing Red's page. If not, just use Facebook's good old search bar, and you can pull them up that way. Anyway, let me switch gears and um, jump right into some MMA, because there's actually a couple of things that went down that we got to discuss. And, of course, like I said, we got to talk Strike Force. So let's get the ball rolling. All right, so this past weekend, which you know I mentioned to Red, was the final Strike Force event, which delivered across the board. It was um, it was one of those events that it was it was sad to see it happen, but it was also time to wrap that up. And it was one of those things for me that was bittersweet. I've been following Strike Force for a long time, um, and to see it just come full circle and the promotion close its doors, so to speak, was was something that. It was sad, but it was also something that that creates a new beginning for so many of the roster. And I want to just talk about a couple of the fights on the card. Um, Ed Herman stepping in from the UFC to fight Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Uh, Ed Herman's a class act, always a guy that I like to watch fight. He's always exciting to watch. Came in there, tried to do his thing against Jacare, but Jacare's submission game is is bananas. Seeing him 
making the transition to the UFC is going to be very, very interesting. Um, Ed Herman took the fight at a catchweight. And again, Jacare and Ed Herman, great fight. I, really no disrespect to Ed Herman. A lot of people kind of like, ah, you know, Ed Herman came in there and he was a sacrificial lamb. I think Ed Herman went in there, tried to do his thing. But once it gets to the ground, um, you know, Jacare, Jacare is a whole other animal. So definitely a, a great fight for Jacare. Introduces the fans uh, to his style. So we'll be seeing him very soon in the UFC. Uh, Mike Kyle and Gegar Mousasi. I expected that fight to go the distance because Mike Kyle is a durable, tough dude. Turns out Mousasi was not hearing that. He came in there focused, determined, and ready to rock and roll. He secured himself a victory via rear naked choke in the first round. Again, very impressive performance. Mousasi also will be making the jump to the UFC. One of my favorite heavyweights, Josh Barnett, fought on this card. Uh, he took on Nandor Galmino, and it, it was typical Josh Barnett fashion where he, he he grinds you out, takes you to the ground, and secures the submission. He actually, um, a lot of people felt that Nandor gave him the arm triangle, and I think, in a sense, he kind of did by leaving himself open, but... I do have to say that, again, the guy stepped in, true warrior going in there, fighting one of the best, Josh Barnett. Um, I'm a little biased, like I said. I'm a fan of Josh Barnett. He's a great uh, wrestling personality. He has tremendous, tremendous catch wrestling skills that would be amazing to see in any pro wrestling ring. And my nephew can attest to that when we saw him do a wrestling match for New Year's last year uh, for the Dream Card. But... I'm a little disheartened that he hasn't made the jump to the UFC. I mean, a lot of people were kind of amped because he popped up on the UFC.com bio uh, bio screen, but he confirmed himself that he has not been signed yet. And honestly, and I've said this before, Josh Barnett, if he can't make the jump to the UFC, WWE needs to give this guy a contract. He has all the tools, great submission wrestling, great storytelling, can cut a mean-ass promo, especially the promo he cut... Um, post-fight against Nandor Galmino or borrowed a little bit of Maximus talking, you know, saying, you know, are you not entertained and talking about the war master and just, just really taking it there. I think Josh Barnett is a tremendous entertainer and, and an excellent fighter. How would he fare in the, in the heavyweight division? It's anyone's guess, but considering the, the diverse repertoire that he has, I think he would make a great asset to the heavyweight division. I'd like to see him come in maybe take on a, a, a Roy Nelson to and, and take it from there. But I think Josh Barnett has a lot to offer the UFC. He's marketable. Um, he has a great look. And if he doesn't make it in the UFC, then definitely WWE or TNA should give him a look because he, he's a great talent to have. Another heavyweight bout, Daniel Cormier, Dion Starring. Uh, Daniel Cormier, bananas as, as usual coming in, perfect record. Really took the fight. Deion Starring looked very aggressive. He tried his best, but, um, you know, when the fight went to, went to round two, Cormier turned it up, and you can tell he was he seemed to be protecting his hands a little bit, especially after breaking him in in, in the last fight, and it showed a little bit. You can see there was a little, uh, he was a little tentative, but again, delivered a, a great uh, TKO victory, four minutes, two seconds in the second round. Went on to call out Frank Mir and John Jones. He's going to fight Frank Mir first. And since him and Kane are friends, they're going to make, um, he's going to drop down to 205 
and try and go after John Jones. John Jones, of course, said, you know, if he wants to fight, he could come get it. I think Cormier is going to be a guy, Olympic caliber wrestler, that's going to really be the test to watch for John Jones. I think in, in that particular instance, Daniel Cormier can be a guy that can pose a big problem for John Jones. One of the things that I've always said is that anybody can lose on any given day. And while John Jones is a tremendous athlete, extremely dominant, goes out there and, and puts on amazing performances, there are still guys that can come out there. Vitor Belfort almost caught him in that one fight. You know, obviously everybody gasped and almost had a heart attack, but that's what I'm saying. It almost it almost went down with with Belfort. So Cormier definitely is a guy that could come in there and really give John Jones a problem. The main event with Nate Marquardt, Tarek Safadine was really a one-sided fight. Tarek Safadine looked amazing from start to finish, really worked the leg kicks to the point where Nate Marquardt's leg looked like, like hamburger meat by the time it was over. Not as bad as um, Faber's leg after fighting Jose Aldo, but definitely definitely in that list of um, bruised quads. Tarek Safadine captures the welterweight championship to close the doors on strike force makes the jump to the UFC. Will he fight GSP to unify the belt? I don't know, but as I've said in previous shows and I've said it with Ben, it would be a great opportunity to unify those belts. Uh, obviously Benson Henderson, um, Gilbert, Mel- Gilbert Melendez is going to be one fight. That's probably going to be for that. So I'm re- I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys make the jump. And we're going to talk about some of the other fighters in a few minutes that made the jump from strike force to the UFC and some other MMA news. One of the things um, that I wanted to get into, of course, besides the strike force results were the medical suspensions, because a lot of these guys, it's, it's going to be interesting to see when they get booked due to their medical suspensions. Ed Herman is, is suspended indefinitely until doctors clear him for shoulder elbow and hand injuries. Anthony Smith is suspended for 30 days due to facial cuts. Michael Bravo also 30 days. Dion Starring is suspended 30 days for precautionary reasons. Now, one of the things that I always like to look at are the payroll for for the MMA fights because it it, it gives you a glimpse into into how the the pay breaks down and how these guys have to pay their training partners, pay their managers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And at the end of the day, people are going to say, oh, this guy made a hundred grand for that fight. Yeah, he made a hundred grand, but he's got to pay all the expenses that led up to that, you know, training camp, uh, all of that stuff. There, there are factors in there that have to be paid out. So when I, when I rattle off some of these numbers, you guys think of it from the standpoint that, yeah, that's the number, but think of the fact that from that number, X amount of people got to get paid out. So Tarek Safadine, Nate Marquardt, uh, Safadine made $39,000. That included a $19,500 win bonus. Nate Marquardt made $40,000. Daniel Cormier made $120,000. That included a $60,000 win bonus. Dion Starring made $8,000. Just, just so you know, Josh Barnett made $250,000. Nandor made 12,000. Kegard Musasi made $175,000. No win bonus for him. Jacare made one hundred thousand five hundred. That included a twenty-eight thousand dollar win bonus. Ryan Couture, who took a uh, a highly contested decision win from KJ Nunes, took twenty-two thousand dollars to KJ Nunes forty-one thousand dollars. 
Tim Kennedy took $80,000. That included a $25,000 win bonus, defeating Trevor Smith, who made $8,000. Hodger Gracie made $94,000. That included a $47,000 win bonus um, in defeating Anthony Smith, who made $10,000. As always, like I said, these figures don't include deductions for insurance, licenses, taxes. Um, it doesn't include money paid by sponsors, which can sometimes obviously inflate a, a fighter's number. They also don't include any locker room or special bonuses that, that Zufa pays out. So be aware of that stuff, but also be aware that these guys got to pay out just as much as, as they get. So just something I wanted to share with you guys. As I mentioned, a lot of fighters from Strike Force made the jump to the UFC, and it's going to be real interesting to see where their careers go, if the belts are going to get unified, and some of these fighters will be seeing very soon. Like I said, Daniel Cormier, Gegard Mousasi, Gian Vellante, Hodger Gracie, Tim Kennedy, Lorenz Larkin, Luke Rockhold, Jacare, Roger Bowling, Jason High, Nate Marquardt, Tarek Safadine, Bobby Volker, Ryan Couture, which I knew, Pat Healy, uh, Kurt Hollibaugh, Adriano Martins, Gilbert Melendez, KJ Nunes, and Josh Thompson. Now, with that said, you're probably asking yourself, what happens with the champions? Well, MMA Junkies put out that Gilbert Melendez will be facing Benson Henderson at UFC on Fox 7. That's April 20th in San Jose. Daniel Cormier is going to be meeting Frank Mir on that card as well. So, First off, we already see lightweight champion Gilbert Melendez taking on Benson Henderson. We're probably going to get title unification, and it's going to be a great, great fight. It's going to be ridiculous. I think Gilbert Melendez, known worldwide as probably the best pound-for-pound lightweight, excuse me, outside of Benson Henderson, it's going to be a fucking war. And definitely on Fox, it's going to be great free TV MMA. And, of course, Cormier fighting a heavyweight Taking on Frank Mir is going to be an amazing fight as well. Also on that card for UFC on Fox 7, which I was discussing with Amazing Red, Dan Hardy will be facing Matt Brown. So that fight's going to be really good. Question is, will it be prelims or will it be on the main card? Nonetheless, Dan Hardy, always exciting to watch him fight. Matt Brown has been on a tear, and I really, really think that these guys are going to put on possible fight of the night for that. So again, Mark that on your calendars, April 20th, UFC on Fox. So, earlier in the show, I was talking about it in the monologue about the Sandy situation and about the videos put out about people kind of questioning what's been going on. So, one of the, one of, somebody, it was only a matter of time that, you know, a celebrity or someone was going to get in trouble for um, acknowledging that. And that particular person was Ronda Rousey, who put up, who reshared a Sandy Hook shooting conspiracy video which um she shared it on twitter she shared it on facebook and the video's been making the rounds so if you're curious you can check it out but turns out she got she got in trouble about it she retweeted the video and um she commented that it was interesting you know the videos received over 9 million youtube views and um a lot of people have been harassed from that tragedy of course the psychologist uh the uh, all these other people just getting harassed left and right so Ronda Rousey deleted the tweet and she went on to say that she didn't necessarily agree with the theories, but felt that asking questions and doing research is more patriotic than blindly accepting what you're told. Now, 
it's very interesting when celebrities get themselves involved in situations like this because it can go a couple of different ways. In Rousey's case, people are, you know, she's getting some negative press because of it. But again, she didn't say she agreed with it, but she did say that you're entitled to ask questions and research. Obviously, tragedy or not, I'm not saying I, I agree with that mode of thinking, but it's true. You are allowed to question. That's one of the things that 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 makes that makes this country great. You're allowed to question things, uh, whether it's in a public forum or not. And, and sometimes you're going to get admonished for it. But of course, you know, people started making a bigger deal about it than it was. And Rousey's manager, Darren Harvey, had to actually put out a statement on MMA Junkie saying the following. Ronda's the kind of person that doesn't take everything at face value and doesn't have 100% faith in all the news that's put out there by mainstream press. He also mentioned about the deletion. She probably felt that it caused that if it caused anybody any grief or sorrow, especially something related to the death of children, that it wasn't worth the fight. I I agree. I mean, the the subject matter is going to be very touchy, and I'm sure in a few years it may come up, it may be discussed at length. But right now, eh, maybe not the best time. I I honestly think you're entitled to question. Same thing with 9/11. Same thing with what happened in Libya, same thing with bin Laden. It's always going to raise questions. I just think that the timing was poor, but it wasn't her fault. She just felt that the video was interesting. And like I said, I saw the video and it wasn't even because she shared it. I saw it on Facebook from three other people that are that are close friends of mine that said, you know, very, very crazy, but worth watching. And it's true. Sometimes you watch it the same way we watch Coney 2012 and cat videos and, and mindless entertainment. It, it, it's worth once in a while to make us to watch things that possibly may make you question just what's going on around you. Like when I watch the news and, and it's very rarely that I sit down to watch them, I always feel that there part of it is educating the listeners, but I'd like to say 70% of it is fear mongering. And one of the reasons I say that is when, when we're going to get snow here in New York, the news go and they, and they're oh we interrupt this bro this program to bring you this bulletin blah 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 and it doesn't snow and there's all this mass hysteria to where there's no bread in the supermarket no water and, and maybe they're saying maybe an inch or two is coming people get really crazy and i think part of that has to do with just the way that media just cultivates fear amongst its viewers so i i, I don't disagree that you're that you shouldn't you know look at look at other Look at other stories and just just get yourself a little bit more well-rounded. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is is the timing, obviously. The timing is a big issue. If you want to discuss this three months from now, four months from now, mid-year, maybe. Now, still a little fresh. But again, this is this is what happens when you're in the limelight and you share your opinion. When you're a nobody, nobody gives a fuck about you. But the minute that you get a modicum of fame and you say something that is a personal viewpoint you're and it and it doesn't fall in line with what everybody else agrees with you're automatically vilified she was curious she said it was interesting she didn't say she agreed she didn't say she disagreed but it, it's very easy to cast judgment just wanted to put that out there cuz like i said i discussed it earlier also there was a change for the ufc on fuel tv 7 card uh cub swanson uh, will be got injured. I mean, Dennis Seaver got injured for his fight against Cub Swanson, so Dustin Poirier will be stepping in. Uh, 
UFC on Fuel TV 7 is going down February 16th in London. Henan Burrell is defending the interim bantamweight title against Michael McDonald. Um, a couple of other fights on there. Che Mills, Matthew Riddle, Ryan Jimmo, James Tahuna, Gunnar Nelson, Justin Edwards, Cyril Diabati versus Jimmy Manua, and like I said, Dustin Poirier taking on Cub Swanson. All right, that wraps up the MMA segment. We are kind of going for the photo finish this week, so let's jump into some wrestling, shall we? All right, first up, I wanted to get into the TNA pay-per-view because it was very, very interesting and probably one of the more subpar pay-per-view offerings, but I gave it a slight pass because I know that TNA is modifying their pay-per-view schedule, so this is the last pay-per-view of their original schedule before switching to the modified schedule plus the taped mini pay-per-view shows, so... I kind of I kind of gave it a bit of a pass, but not too much because there were a lot of questionable matches. Um, the opener with Chavo and Hernandez taking on Matt Morgan and Joey Ryan. I really, really expected it to be a little bit more competitive than it was. I was concerned at one point, though, because Joey Ryan ate a powerbomb from Hernandez that just looked incredibly, incredibly bad to the point where I think they had to rush the finish for the match because it just it just looked like it shouldn't have gone the way it went. I th- I think definitely Joey Ryan took the the bitter end of that power bomb and not in a good way. So Chavo and Hernandez retained the belts. Like I said, the match passable for an opener, but I expected more. On the flip side, Samoa Joe and Mr. Anderson had a had a pretty solid match. It's, it it feels weird seeing Mr. Anderson back on television and you know his relationship with Aces and Eights. Really don't know where they're going with it. And Mr. Anderson's one of those guys extremely underutilized as of late. Guy has tremendous potential. Guy comes out, gets the crowd behind him, but he he, he just falls out of out of frame for a little bit. I I think I hadn't seen him on TV in at minimum six months. So then when he comes back in and automatically is in a match with Joe, it just there's really there was no build up. Just you know him telling Aces and Aces he's gonna take out Samoa Joe. Just really no build up. For the match, other than that pay-per-view setup, and and it just felt like I said slightly disjointed. I think that Anderson and Joe can have a, a great feud given ample time, and it would really, really work out well. Is is that how it's going to go down? Obviously not, but like I said, one of the more disjointed matches of the evening. The X Division Tournament Finals: Christian York and Kenny King had a had an excellent, excellent match. Uh, Christian York continues to to show fans that his experience is definitely a factor in all his performances and against the always game Kenny King I was very very excited for this match Kenny King tremendous potential coming out of Ring of Honor for those of you that don't know Kenny King was once on Tough Enough if you did not know that Christian York goes on to meet Rob Van Dam which was again a very competitive match Rob Van Dam retained and the match was very good I think they needed a little bit more time 
I almost felt like the match should have got maybe 10, 12 minutes, but you know, you make you you make do. Devon took on Joseph Park in a complete fucking shit show. I think this was the match where if I could have, I would have fast forwarded it because it was fucking shit. Meanwhile, the gauntlet match for the knockouts title was a lot better. Obviously, with knowing the participants that were involved, I knew the outcome right away. Gail Kim, ODB, Miss Tessmacher, Mickey James, and Velvet Sky. Mickey James had gotten an opportunity to challenge before. The other uh, young lady who returned, who we knew was going to get one, obviously Velvet Sky gets that opportunity, so she will be challenging for the belt. Uh, I, Velvet Sky, extremely marketable. You know, guys, guys love her. Her wrestling, her wrestling at times leaves a little bit to be desired, but she she has been improving the the last couple of times she's wrestled. So I think doing a program with her and Tara is fine. I continue to say that ODB is incredibly underutilized. She's a a great character, a great personality to use, especially on Impact and and in in avenues like the Impact Zone where she kind of comes out there and she can relate to a lot of stuff just because she's not to say that she's blue collar, but she looks like a more approachable knockout in terms of when you look at them, some girls you look at and you say to yourself, they're out of your league. Other girls you say, Hey, that's a chick I want to sit down and have a drink with. Honestly, if I actually consumed alcohol, I would have a beer with ODB cause she looks like she's a cool fucking chick. That's just me. The match for a shot at the TNA title between James Storm and Christopher Daniels was ridiculous. I am extremely happy to see Christopher Daniels finally get an opportunity at the belt. I think Christopher Daniels is probably one of the best heels they got. Uh, second, of course, to heel Bully Ray. And I've always wondered why he never got the opportunity. I mean, AJ Styles has been champion multiple times. I think Christopher Daniels' time is now. If anybody outside of Austin Aries and Bobby Roode can, can do a good job as champion... I think it's Christopher Daniels. Sting took on the director of chaos or doc, AKA Luke Gallows, AKA Mr. Flip the channel. So yeah, we know how that match went. Sting won, move on. Meanwhile, the elimination match with Jeff Hardy, Bobby Roode and Austin Aries was ridiculous from start to finish. A lot of great spots. Obviously Jeff Hardy retained and I continue to, to feel that Austin Aries is the rock is the, the the rock to Jeff Hardy Stone Cold. Those guys together they just create magic in the ring. Not to say that Bobby Roode is any sort of a slouch cuz he's not, but Aries and Hardy just have they have something. They just have a chemistry that works. I don't know what it is. I think it's just the fact that they they have such such great such a great contrast in styles but can also switch it up at a, at the drop of a hat to, that makes matches with them work. So I really would like to see Austin Aries remain in the main event scene but if i had to choose between aries and daniels i would like to see daniels and hardy only because i think the build-up for a match between them would be very very good meanwhile on the raw side of things raw's 20th anniversary i'm gonna be quite honest for the amount of hype that was really going into it i kind of felt let down honestly the only the only things i want to take out of it that were that were funny were Team Hell No and Doctor Shelby, which was a, a, a hilarious segment. Um, Mick Foley being inducted into the Hall of Fame was good up until, of course, the Shield interrupted. 
and then Ryback came out, then Sheamus came out, and Randy Orton came. You guys know the deal. So that uh, it's good to see Foley get the nod and go to the Hall of Fame. Um, Eve Torres and Caitlin was exactly what you'd expect, especially with the rumblings that Eve was going to leave the company, which she did. Caitlin wins the belt in her hometown, which was a, a nice rub on Eve Torres's part. Eve Torres now goes on to other things, including uh, becoming Mrs. Henner Gracie and possibly working with the Gracies on a women's self-defense program, which I'll discuss in a few minutes. The other thing I wanted to pluck out of there, Brodus Clay, after being called out by CM Punk for his shucking and jiving, had a tremendous match with Punk. I was very, very very impressed with Brodus Clay. Uh, it was definitely less serious, more hard-hitting. CM Punk got the victory with the Anaconda Vice, which was good. But not only that, you just saw a different side of Brodus Clay, a side that was more aggressive. And honestly, I have to agree with what Punk said. Yeah, Brodus Clay can come out there and shuck and jive and stuff. But Brodus Clay has tremendous potential. If you guys have watched his progression over the last few months, he's lost a con- considerable amount of weight. So the guy's really working hard, trying to get in shape, but he's he's actually also enjoying his gimmick. But I think I, I, there's going to come a time when that gimmick is going to run its course. So it's good to see a different dimension to Brodus Clay. Uh, I'm at, like I said, I'm very glad to see it go down. And the match with Punk was tremendously, tremendously entertaining. Sheamus in the three MB. Moving on, I, I was shocked that they gave Heath Slater the victory, but. Again, they've 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 ruined it. They have completely ruined it. Anyway, the Miz and and Ric Flair had a very very enjoyable segment, but you can see that Ric Flair was kind of out there to get a check. I really like the the rub that he gave the Miz in terms of you know the figure four and the Miz using the figure four, which was nice on Antonio Cesaro. But the one thing that I liked about this segment, not the fact that Ric Flair was out there shilling to get a paycheck was the fact that The Miz just was out there genuinely as a fan. Like, you can see The Miz was cutting his promo, and and he was doing his shtick, but you can also see that The Miz was genuinely excited to be in the ring with a guy who's a legend. And, And you can see it, you can feel that energy through the screen, and I like that. The problem is that Ric Flair, if you're gonna use him, you need to use him to help another guy get over. And... If you're going to align him with somebody, I've always thought Ric Flair would have been good with Dolph Ziggler, but it looks to be it looks to me like they're trying to set it up to really validate the Miz face turn and align Ric Flair with him, which I mean it's okay, but if we get a Flair heel turn, we can't get a match cuz Flair is retired. So it's something that you got to tread very very cautiously with. I really like I said just appreciated how how much of a fanboy the Miz looked. In that match, he looked like he was just having the time of his life out there, and it was really, really good to see that. It it was very refreshing. Daniel Bryan took on Cody Rhodes. He won. He won his match, you know, with a no lock. Again, this is all the build up for Rhodes Scholars and Team Hell No at the Rumble. Now, John Cena and Dolph Ziggler in their cage match. It was a very, very extremely competitive match. Dolph Ziggler with the DDT spot on John Cena was tremendous. But once again, Super Cena gets the victory after getting hit with Biggie Langston's finisher, the Super DDT, AJ Lee's vagina, Vicky Guerrero's bra, etc., etc., etc. John Cena 
wins. Again, in the battle of wins and losses, every loss hurts Ziggler a little more. And of course, the logic can be, oh, Dolph Ziggler's a heel. If he wins, there have to be shenanigans. No, once in a while, you have to let him get a win just for being competitive. A loss will never hurt John Cena because John Cena has eclipsed the necessity for wins and losses. Dolph Ziggler, you're investing so much time and effort into him with the money in the bank. You know the guy's a shoe-in for champion. You should really try your hardest to not have him just fucking lose on such a frequent basis. I mean, he won. He beat Cena at the last pay-per-view. But what I'm saying is on the TV matches, you know, the ones that continue to reinforce the storyline... Give him give him a victory here or there. Like don't don't make it seem that John Cena gets hit by five finishers and still pulls out the victory. It's just foolish. If you make it that Biggie Langston pulled out a finisher and Dolph Ziggler wins, okay, not so bad. But when 19 different things happen to John Cena and he still miraculously wins, it damages his opponent. I get tired of saying it. And in this instance, I have to say the same thing. Really? And now there's rumors that they want to turn Ziggler face. I'm going to be 100% honest in telling you, Ziggler still has a lot to offer the company as a heel. Do not rush out there to pull the trigger to turn him face. Continue to cultivate him as a heel and build him as a top heel second to a CM Punk. That's what you have to do. You have to cultivate. You already turned Del Rio, which, make of it what you will, it's growing on me. But it's only because Ricardo Rodriguez helps bring that full circle. But again, do not rush to turn Ziggler. Ziggler has still a lot to offer. Let him stay a heel. Please. Please. Don't do it. As for the Rock concert, the Rock came out, did his little shtick. It was funny in the way that he clowned Vicky Guerrero, but it's something... Probably it's just because I've gotten older, but it's stuff we've we've kind of seen before. What I did like was just that Punk came out, him and Punk just got into a fight, and I like that it had that big fight feel, genuine animosity. There was no no shtick, no pipe bombs, no funny words. Just I don't like you, you don't like me. Let's beat the fuck out of each other. Yes, that kind of brought the segment full circle, and again continues to give me hope about this feud you know yeah the jokes like eh, you know juvenile to a degree but just the the brawl between them it just got so serious and and it really helped bring the match full circle and reinforce the fact that this is not a game this is not about jokes and punchlines and one-liners it's about above all else being the best in punk's case reinforcing that he's the best in the world in the rocks case establishing that number one he still got it and number two that he is better than punk i think that closing of the segment worked and it was a nice way to close out raw i was going to talk about tna impact but it's 1:30. we still got gaming and we still have entertainment stuff to get out of the way so let me just get into some of the wrestling news um trent beretta got released Extremely talented guy, never used to his fullest. I mean, his 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 tag team with Kaylin Croft with the Dude Busters had had some potential for for you know the, the tag team ranks. Kaylin Croft got released, and Beretta just he just languished. 
Sometimes he'd pop up, sometimes he wouldn't, so they released him. Tremperet is a guy that he would have worked well with a with a with a Kurt Hawkins. He would have worked well with a Zack Ryder. He would have worked well with a Tyson Kidd. You know, I I would have done a a a, a three a three man stable with Kidd, uh, Beretta, and um, Justin Gabriel. Could have done something very very interesting to kind of give that guy an extend you know extend that guy's shelf life. Obviously, they cut their losses and he got released. Unfortunate, but hopefully he'll bounce back. Um, may you know probably he'll probably do some independent stuff, which I've seen already that he's scheduled for a couple of things. Maybe TNA will pick him up for some X division stuff. But again, a guy that that just never got the opportunity to really show people his potential, cut off at the knees, so to speak. Meanwhile, Ezekiel Jackson, who was injured, re-injured himself while training to come back from an injury. Ugh. It, it, it's fucked up because Ezekiel Jackson, there's always the big joke that he's a modern-day Ahmed Johnson. And make the joke if you want, but he's just had a tremendous string of bad luck. Which is unfortunate because the guy, he, he, has a, he has an imposing look. And he just, once again, he, need, he needs a manager. Like, his promo work is, is, is eh, it's okay. But he needs, he needs a mouthpiece. He needs somebody to, to, to kind of do the heavy lifting from the promo side. And sure, the, the obvious thing would be, oh, you know, maybe, maybe put him with AJ and maybe do a tag team with him and Big E. But you know what? We have enough racial overcoats with the two black guys together, the two Spanish guys together, the two comedy wrestlers together. There's enough of that shit. So let's not do that. But maybe he could come out, be a bodyguard for a Vicky Guerrero to help Vicky Guerrero get him over. Something like that. Just just something along the lines where you can kind of rebuild his character from scratch. Because, again, Tremendous Upside has a cool look to him, but he's just been dealt a shitty hand injury-wise. Hopefully he bounces back. They're saying that he's not expected to return until the summer. Which, when it when it comes down to wrestling... That much time is is sometimes that's the the pulling of the guillotine as it goes up, ready to drop and cut your head off. It's 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 a slippery slope for Ezekiel Jackson. Hopefully he bounces back and he we get to see him on television showcasing his skills. Because again, I think he he does have something to offer. Zack Ryder reached one million Twitter followers. At least the Twitter audience loves poor Zack, considering that WWE doesn't last bit of wrestling news to close things out wwe signed ncaa all-american wrestler clayton jack um he will be reporting to developmental on january 24th he was uh, scouted by jerry briscoe and attended a wwe tryout last year so good to see wwe going back into the ranks of the ncaa to get some some nice solid wrestlers because again wrestling is 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 yeah sure you can you can say that that personality is is a larger percentage but wrestling is definitely the bigger asset especially when you look at all these college guys that come in and just become tremendous wrestlers Shelton Benjamin Charlie Haas Brock Lesnar Kurt Angle coming out of the Olympics but still you know these are guys that they have most of the fundamentals they just need persona and a little bit of time to cultivate don't rush him out don't do anything crazy. 
take your time and build this guy up because he may be a guy that can carry your company for five or 10 years. So take your time because he already has an established foundation. So be on the lookout. Clayton Jack reports to developmental January 24th. We'll see how long it takes for him to graduate from NXT to the main roster. All right. Let's switch gears and go right into this week's gaming segment. Well, I did want to kind of discuss what's going on a little bit with legislation from our government, but also with what's been going on with studies tying video game violence towards... um, violence in the real world and um, i can't go too in depth obviously because we're we're a little pressed for time but one of the things that really jumped out for me was the fact that you know our government and this happened recently president obama wants research you know he called for research to link to research the link between video games media images and violence basically the um, the presidential memorandum had 23 gun violence reduction executive actions. But in there, he would like to see more studies done to see what kind of things, especially from a video game standpoint, are triggers for violent behavior. I really, really beg to differ in regards to that approach. I think that violence has always existed, which I've said numerous times, but there's other facets that need to be explored. Nonetheless, it seems that they are going to work on a memorandum and they're going to conduct research. It's going to be $10 million to the CDC to conduct new research, including the investigation of the relationship between violent video games, media images, and violence. Congress is going to fund the re will fund the research into effects that violent video games have on young minds straight from the president. Now, Again, we can spend our money in so many more efficient and effective ways. But again, it, it is what it is. But here's here's something I wanted to bring to everyone's attention. And it was actually shared by Joystick earlier. And when I saw it, I said to myself, holy shit, that's that's insane. The way that Joystick did it was they actually got a list of all the different studies that have been done regarding video games and violence and how they um more or less how they've worked and and the results from them now the thing about this that gets me is that there's been tons of these studies done tons and there and the funny thing is that damn why can i not pull this up uh here we go anyway as i was saying uh and it wasn't joystick let me correct myself it was kotaku they actually summarized 25 violent video game studies. So let me just go through it. In 1984, um, it was video games, television, violence, and aggression in teenagers. The study was authored by J.R. Dominic from the University of Georgia. The methodology was 250 high school students were quizzed on their media consumption with a focus on video games. The conclusion... Physical aggression was related to arcade video game playing. This was 1984. Another study was done in 1985, citing personality, 
uh, psychopathology and developmental issues in male adolescent video game use. The methodology used was 208 teenage males reported their experiences with games by filling out a questionnaire. The conclusion from this particular study was that video games have a calming effect and the boys use them for the purpose of mental discharge. The author for that was G. Kestenbaum, and it was from the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. They didn't say what games were used, but again, this conflicts with the study from 84. Switching gears. Um, Messages of video games and their social implications. This was 1986, a year later. The methodology for that was 11 to 16-year-old boys were surveyed in relation to video game consumption and their attitudes towards war. The conclusion from that study showed that some relation was found between boys who played video games and aggressive attitudes. The author for that was S. Rushbrook from UCLA. Again, conflicts the one from 1985. Another study done in 86 showed the effect of the game player, short-term effects of highly and mildly aggressive video games. 60 college students played either Zaxxon or Centipede, then completed a survey measuring aggression. The conclusion, it was observed that the more aggressive game Zaxxon led to higher levels of hostility, much higher than no game, somewhat higher than Centipede and anxiety, but had no effect on depression. We all know that old games were frustrating as shit. If anything, you were frustrated just because the game made you frustrated. It wasn't because it affected your your personality to make you more aggressive. I kind of beg to differ with regards to the results of that study, but again, continues to conflict. In 1987, they did one about the effects of pro-social and aggressive video games on children's donating and helping. And they did 160 students were randomly assigned to either a control condition or one of four treatment conditions. In two of the treatment conditions, children played a video game with pro-social content, either singly or cooperatively with another child. Excuse me. In the other two conditions, children played an aggressive video game, either singly or competitively. Afterwards, their propensity for donating and helping was tested. The conclusion was that children who played either of the aggressive games donated significantly less than did those who played pro-social games by themselves. No significant effects were found for helping. Playing the pro-social game did not increase pro-social responding, but playing the aggressive video game tended to suppress this behavior. Questionable, but again, it it, it flip-flops back and forth. And I can go down the list and name all 25, but... What I wanted to, to pluck out was, was some of the more recent tests. And um, it was a test done in 1995, and it was titled The Effect of Video Games on Feelings of Aggression. Now, 117 college students played games of varying violence, then filled out a bus derky hostility inventory and an Isonet personality questionnaire. The conclusion, and I quote, there was no linear pattern in aggressive effect change in an aggressive effect change across three games that contained varying levels of violence. There you have it. Now, of course we can, we can switch gears and, and talk about, you know, this game, that game, the pool of people that were used. The most recent test that I can really, that I really wanted to cite was 
violent video games effects on aggression, empathy, and pro-social behavior in Western and Eastern countries. Get this. A meta-analytic review from 2010. The methodology was combined data from from studies totaling a combined 130,000 participants were analyzed. Video game violence exposure was positively associated with aggressive behavior, aggressive cognition, and aggressive effect. Now, the the crazy thing with this is that we can go down the list, and it's always going to flip-flop back and forth. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to conduct a study, and we were talking about this at work. I'd like to conduct a study that would probably... I'd, I'd like to take at least a thousand parents and a thousand kids and I'd like to pull them in and the parents, I would like to question them number one about what they know with regards to the media that their children consume. Question one, question two, do, are you, or do you utilize the rating system that's available for all media with regards to your children's consumption? I can almost guarantee that a large percentage either aren't aware of the ratings, don't follow the ratings, or just do whatever little Jimmy tells them to do. I can almost guarantee that that's the outcome. And again, I can't sit here and say that the government isn't entitled to do that because given the climate and what's happened, it, it's something that's going to always be in, in front of the public. What gets me is that you announce that you're going to do that study, but you're also announcing aggressive gun legislation at the same time. It almost feels like one ties to the other. Even though that's not intentional, who knows? It may be. And that's that's part of the problem, in my opinion. I think that if you're going to conduct this study, you're going to have to conduct this study in a broad stroke, in a broad stroke approach because there's a ton of other factors. There really are. There's factors relating to um, social economical, um, the way upbringing, etc. A, a great example that, that I shared at work was, say you live in the projects and you're at a basketball court in the projects and a kid walk and a guy and a kid walks up and shoots up the basketball court. Kid does, hasn't played video games is poor as shit. Doesn't, you know, barely, barely has any money, but commits the violent act for whatever reason. What do you cite at that point? And that's what I'm saying. When you look at at crime statistics and you look at the correlation between that and violence from media, you have to take into consideration other factors. If you go into the hood and you, and you question a majority of uh, of youth offenders that were there, the the majority of the crimes they've committed were because they wanted money or because they wanted acceptance. Very very few of them were tied to video games in any aspect and again i'm not i'm not a professor i'm not a i'm not somebody who knows who's in the know again this is all based on my personal opinion and yeah you can say oh rich's opinion is is kind of skewed because he's a gamer yes but my opinion is also skewed because i've 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 raised children i've made a career of raising children my mom was a career foster parent and i helped her raise countless children some with normal needs, some with special needs. So I know, and I've monitored that stuff, and I speak from personal experience. Am I an end-all, be-all authority? Absolutely fucking not. On the contrary, you may be like, who the fuck is this piece of shit guy to tell me how to raise my kid? It is what it is, but I just feel that 
again, the same way I, I do the diligence and I read and I try to educate just for you guys, the same can be said just for being a parent to educate yourself. But again, this is, this is something that is going to continue to be a subject of, of conversation for quite some time. So I'm going to kind of put it on pause for now and go through the other gaming news. I did want to talk about the MPD numbers, um, which for, for consoles, it was, it was ridiculous. The con the Xbox 360 held the top spot with 1.4 million units sold in the month of December. The Wii U sold less units than the Wii did your during launch, but the Wii U did earn 3% more money thanks to its higher price point. Hardware sales were down, but it's also a decline because, like I said, almost everybody has the next-gen consoles already. Everybody I know has either a 360 or a PS3. If anything, the majority of hardware sales were people possibly picking up a Wii U or possibly picking up some form of handheld gaming system. Home consoles, Some I know a couple of families that they picked up a second Xbox. Maybe because they wanted to use it in a bedroom for a media center. Same thing with a PS3. That's one thing that people lose sight of when they look at these numbers. Yeah, a lot of people buy the PS3 as a gaming console, but a lot of people buy the PS3 because it's also a full-service Blu-ray player that allows them to consume Blu-ray media with the occasional game mixed in. So it's something worth noting. While on the subject of the PS3, I will tell you guys that if you are a Far Cry 3 owner, you will be getting some PS3 exclusive DLC. It's going to be the High Tides DLC, which is going to have two new chapters for co-op called Jailbreak and Redemption. And those chapters are going to help give an epilogue to for the co-op campaign. Content's also going to feature, of course, tougher fights and bigger competitions between the players. And um, I don't have a release date yet but when i do i'll let you guys know it should it should be out there if it's not i'll share it on the fan page speaking of, while we're on the subject of release dates the new dc fighting game which i'm actually looking forward to injustice gods among us will be released in stores april 16th on the xbox 360 ps3 and wii u they're also releasing a special edition called the battle edition which is going to cost 149 dollars this edition is going to be available at GameStop and EB Games, and it's going to come with the Fight Stick and also DLC skins for Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Another bundle that's being put out is by our good friends at Nintendo for Fire Emblem. They're going to put out a special 3DS bundle for Fire Emblem Awakening, which I shared on the fan page. The bundle is going to run you 200 bucks, and it will be released with the game on February 4th. You're also going to get an SD card that's 2 gigs larger than the normal 3DS systems uh, packed in SD card. So if you don't have a 3DS, you can bag that bundle, get the game, and a bigger SD card for your console. So definitely worth picking up. Maybe if you want to pick it up as a collector's edition and just hold it or maybe for resale because I know some of you guys do that. It's worth looking into and February 4th is the date. Ubisoft also dropped the release date for Splinter Cell Blacklist, which will be out August 20th. Sam Fisher makes his return to consoles. It's been a while. Um, let's see, hopefully, if they've learned their lessons from the other Splinter Cell games and have found a way to make Sam Fisher more interesting. Because honestly, I kind of felt he was he, he was a poor man's uh, snake from Metal Gear. 
And I tried to really play the Splinter Cell games in order, and I just couldn't bring myself to enjoy them. Maybe I'll give Blacklist a shot, but I'm going to wait and see to hear what other people say before I decide to pick it up. Or more more than likely, if I don't pick it up, it'll always end up in my Gamefly queue for a Gamefly queue review. So when that drops, be on the lookout because I'm sure it'll it'll be something that's going to be played by yours truly. Last but not least, Electronic Arts and Criterion Games announced that they will be releasing Need for Speed Most Wanted on the Wii U on March 19th in North America and March 21st in Europe. Um, It's very interesting the way they want to do it because they're going to want to introduce what's called a local co-op mode called Co-Driver, which will have one player using their Wiimote remote control or the Wii U Pro Controller and then another another player using the gamepad to provide control and navigation assistance on the maps. It's going to allow gamers to distract pursuing cops, switch from day to night, activate enhanced performance modifications, and you'll also be able to change the mods on the fly, switch to favorite cars, etc. It's going to have all the great stuff from Need for Speed Most Wanted that you have on the 360 or the PS3, plus you know some enhancements with the Wii U. You're also going to get the game with the Ultimate Speed Pack, uh, speed pack bundled in, which is going to include the McLaren F1 LM, uh, some the the Aventador from Lamborghini, uh, the Pagani Zonda, Bugatti, which is the Bugatti Veyron Gram Sport, and um, also the Venom GT Spider as well. As I said, Need for Speed Most Wanted hits the Wii U for $59.99 March 19th and March 21st in Europe. So... I'm looking at the time. It is 1.52. So what's going to happen is at 2 a.m. Eastern time, Blog Talk Radio is going to cut off the feed. But be aware that I will continue recording the show afterwards. So there will be an overrun. If you want to catch the rest of it and the entertainment segment, I recommend you guys uh, just pick up the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wait till later on and hopefully I can upload it to Blog Talk Radio with the extended show. Just a reminder in case we do get cut off at 2 a.m., at which point, you know, I'll do a sign-off for our live audience and I'll continue uh, through the entertainment segment if I don't finish it in time. Excuse me. Just be aware of that. Anyway, that's our gaming segment. Let me jump into this week's entertainment segment. Slick was kind enough to remind me that guests that call in with the call in number 347-324-3541 can hear the overrun of the show, you know, through through the phone as well. So it's just another option that you have. But again, at 2 a.m., the live feed will cut off. Just a quick reminder. Anyway, let's get into this week's entertainment news. First up, some Marvel news. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy will begin shooting this summer with the production starting in England and um, Thor The Dark World is also going to have some production taking place in England. Guardians of the Galaxy is set to hit theaters August 1st, 2014, and it's going to feature a team comprised of Star-Lord, Drax the Destroyer, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, and Gamora. So be on the lookout for that. 
Now, one of the things that I try not to do in discussing entertainment is is discuss any sort of celebrity gossip because that's just not my thing. If you want that kind of shit, you go to Paris Hilton, E, or or any other of the of the wonderful rags that churn that shit out. But this particular bit of information is very interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Uh, e News reports that Henry Cavill, who many of you know is playing Superman, is dating Gina Carano. Uh, the two of them have been dating for a couple of months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the rumor that's been going around is that Gina Carano may be playing Wonder Woman. I don't know, again, how strong that rumor is, but there's been a lot of websites talking about that Gina Carano may play Wonder Woman and may show up in The Man of Steel. Again, take this with a grain of salt because it's a rumor. But... It'd be interesting to see if they go that route. Gina Carano's an, a, an accomplished mixed martial artist, um, has incredible presence. You know, her voice does need to get dubbed when she does movies, but she, she'd make a pretty, a pretty decent Wonder Woman. I, I gotta be frank with that. But I also am concerned about them putting um, a franchise character like Wonder Woman in the hands of an unknown. Not to say that Henry Cavill was an unknown, but he wasn't super established, but he had some acting. He had a bit of acting under his resume, including, you know, he was in the Count of Monte Cristo. He's done a couple of movies since then. So it's very interesting to see uh, this kind of a rumor pop up. But as I said, take it as that, a rumor. And if it does go down, it'll be a surprise for everyone. But remember that I did mention it first. Anyway, Henry Cavill... Gina Carano are, are, are an item, so possibly Wonder Woman, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're just having great sex and he gets to see her naked. Who knows, but he's a lucky guy, that's for sure. Anyway, let's move on. Universal, get this, has officially confirmed that Jurassic Park 4 is moving forward. A sequel to a movie that everyone practically forgot about. Not to say that I would mind because there's been tremendous advancements in, in special effects, and I'm sure the dinosaurs would look cool, but let's be real. Nobody woke up this morning, went to the bathroom, took a leak, made themselves coffee, and said, you know, I'd like to see another Jurassic Park movie. Nobody gives a fuck. I'm sorry, they don't. I didn't wake up asking for it. I'm sure Slick didn't wake up asking for it. On the contrary, Slick probably woke up and said to himself, I need to get the fuck to work. He wasn't worried about whether Velociraptors were going to chase him on the train. Seriously. I don't mind, but it's not something that I really give a shit about. So I'm not going to say it's a bad thing at this point, but I think that it's been so long since the last Jurassic Park movie was out that unless they plan on using the re-release in 3D and IMAX to drum up a lot of interest, it's it's really a non-factor at this point. In any event, Variety's reporting that the studio's set a June 13th, 2014 release date for the film. And the site reports that Steven Spielberg is on board, but he's only on board as a producer and not a director. Slick took the opportunity to remind me that he was off today. Nonetheless, I don't think you woke up on your day off and asked yourself, you know, a Jurassic Park movie would be a good thing. Just me breaking Slick's balls. But yeah, seriously, it is the, it is the best, the biggest sequel that nobody asked for. I'm I'm serious. Nobody nobody asked for that shit. But hey, you know, it's obviously going to be a cash grab. And I think, like I said, with the advancement in special effects, 
it should be interesting to see where they take the story. Let's get into some box office totals. Zero Dark Thirty was number one. Of course, the, the capture of Osama bin Laden was front and center for the box office weekend, earning $24 million, bringing its total to 29.5. seconds. I was just notified by the wonderful English woman that there is 90 seconds of show left. So I will tell you guys that if you were only listening to the live show, you've just heard my take radio episode 169 for Thursday, January 17th, 2013. You can still listen to the show. If you dial in three, four, seven, three, two, four, three, five, four, one, or you can catch the show via archive on Stitcher, iTunes on mytakeradio.com and tune in radio as well. So, that's another way to listen to the show. We're going to do the overrun and we're going to finish strong. So thanks to Amazing Red and thank you guys for tuning in to the live portion. All right. As I said, Zero Dark Thirty was number one. A Haunted House was number two. I'm surprised that movie made that much money. Gangster Squad was number three. Django Unchained was number four. Les Miserables was five. The Hobbit was six. Lincoln was seven. Parental Guidance was eight. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D was number 9, and Silver Linings Playbook rounded things out at number 10. I'm sure you guys, a couple of months back, remember that I was talking about CW's idea of doing a Battle Royale TV show, which they decided to not do. Clearly, the English woman just yelled in my ear that it's 10 seconds, but like I said, listen to the overrun later on. Anyway... Looks like the CW's decided to pull the plug on that, so we will not be getting a Battle Royale TV show on the CW. There just wasn't enough interest, and they decided to not do anything with the project right now. There you go. No development, no predate, nothing. It's not happening. I'm sure in news that will make Slick and many of you happy, the Turner Broadcasting Network and Warner Brothers have signed a multi-year agreement with Netflix. What this means is that Previous seasons of shows from the Cartoon Network, including shows like Johnny Bravo, Adventure Time, Ben 10, and The Regular Show, as well as Warner Brothers animation shows like The Green Lantern, Adult Swim programming, including Robot Chicken, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, The Boondocks, and Children's Hospital, will be appearing on Netflix. Also joining that will be the TNT show Dallas, which will be arriving in January, The Cartoon Networks and Adult Swim shows will be arriving March 30th, 2013. So there you have it. In March, you'll be able to catch up on those shows. Personally, I'd like to sit down and watch some boondocks, catch up on that, uh, learn a little bit more about Adventure Time, and some Johnny Bravo, because I have a soft spot for that. I really would like to see a little bit of Space Goes Coast to Coast. I'd like to see that on Netflix. That was a, a fun show. Maybe some Powerpuff Girls. So... Who knows? We'll see where the relationship goes, but all that programming will be appearing starting March 30th. Uh, TNT show, uh, Dallas show will be arriving on J- in January 2014. So there you have it. I figured um, you guys will appreciate that. Also, got to talk about Get This, and this is uh, the first bit of What the Fuck Movie News. Um, usually, we all know that once in a while, Twitter... Uh, Reddit, services like that end up creating something that people decide to turn into programming like shit my dad says, things of that nature. Well, it looks like based on a Reddit feed, they're they're deciding to do this particular movie, which get this, 
The concept was, what if U.S. Marines are transported back in time and forced to do battle against Roman legions and with Roman legions? According to Variety, they're actually going to move forward with this based on that Reddit thread. Um, The film is going to not be using Marines, but using special forces. As of right now, the the film will be produced by Joby Harold, Adam Cole Brenner, and Gianni Nunari. So there you go, a Reddit thread is going to become a movie. I, I actually like the concept. I'd be, cur- I'd be curious to see how they pull it off. Maybe you could borrow a little bit of that Stargate vibe. But I think if done right, you can have a lot of fun with that. Do it 300 style. Um, I think it I think it'll definitely work. That's for damn sure. Where, where they decide to go with regards to, um, you know, the theme in general or or how they want to pace it remains to be seen. But I think the concept can work. I think it's one of those things where you may just get yourself um, a Pirates versus Ninjas vibe, if you get what I'm saying. Either way, that's going to be a project that they're working on, and you could probably find it on Reddit still. And um, it's got my attention, that's for sure. The other bit of What the Fuck Movie News, get this, is MGM is working on a new film version of Ben-Hur, which is insane. Deadline reports that the studio is basing the plans for a new film off a spec script by Keith Clark, It follows the original 1880 novel, which, of course, tells the story of Ben-Hur, a Jewish prince sold into slavery, who vows revenge against the man responsible, a.k.a. Spartacus, also. As of right now, there's no director attached, but the book has been adapted multiple times, including, of course, uh, the 1959 adaptation with Charlton Heston. So, be on the lookout for a a more modern approach to Ben-Hur in the near future. It's been a couple of weeks since we've discussed Machete or Machete or however you want to call it, but we actually have a release date for the film. Machete Kills, Machete Kills, however you want to do it, depending on your accent, will be released in theaters September 13th. Of course, that stars Danny Trejo, Michelle Rodriguez is returning, Sofia Vergara, Amber Heard, Charlie Sheen, Lady Gaga, Antonio Banderas, Jessica Alba, Alexa Vega, Vanessa Hudgens, Cuba Gooding Jr., William Sadler, Marco Zoror, and Mel Gibson. Obviously, Danny Trejo reprises his role as Machete, or Machete, again, accent-dependent, and just proceeds to carve up his way through the movie as he's recruited by the President of the United States for a mission that would probably involve him having to go into space. That's a joke, I kid you not. In all seriousness, as usual, he has to go after a... Uh, an eccentric arms dealer and a madman revolutionary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There were jokes about him going into space. I've always thought it'd be a cool gag to see machete in space, because honestly, if you, if you want to jump the shark, take your movie to space. That's how it works. Another unnecessary sequel in the same vein as Jurassic park four is a sequel to the hot tub time machine, which I remember watching on cable a couple of months back and thinking, eh, it was all right, but I can only watch it once. Clearly, that doesn't that doesn't that mode of thinking does not work for Hollywood executives since the first film made sixty four million dollars on a thirty six million dollar budget. Clearly, they want to bring back you know Rob Codry, um, Craig Robinson, and Clark Duke. But as of right now, no John Cusack involvement. So there you go. 
in some sad news, and this is a, a bit of the 80s baby and me talking, uh, Conrad Bain, who a lot of you may know as Mr. Drummond from Different Strokes, has passed away. He was 89 years old. Um, he lived in Livermore, California. There's no details about his death at the moment. Um, TMZ reported it. So, um, you know, very, very sad to hear. I watched Different Strokes growing up. Compliment that with the Facts of Life, um, Webster, you know, all those shows, Mr. Belvedere, which I, which was a, a, a constant favorite in my house. And, you know, Mr. Drummond, his, his character was, was always a character that you kind of just felt was wholesome and very, very, very giving, very honest. And he kind of was like the guy that, that taught life lessons. Like, yeah, you watched, you know, Willis and Arnold and they had their stories, but he was kind of just like the, the, the focal point of that series. And it's funny because I remember my mom walked in once. She was watching different strokes. She caught me watching different strokes. And like anything else, you know, you're a young kid in the 80s. You pick up little habits. So, you know, there'd always be a what you talking about Willis or something. And my mom used to be like, all right, you can't watch that no more. But then I remember she watched, um, she ended up coming in when I, when I was, when I snook out and I watched an episode where it was the one where Sam got kidnapped and, um, that up. Ep- and you know, she, she kind of just stood in the background and she watched it and she didn't say anything afterwards about me watching it, I guess because she, she felt that the show had some substance, but I remember that was one of those episodes that, that definitely, st- that definitely stuck out for me growing up. The other episode was the, the, the child molester episode with, with Dudley and, and Arnold, which was crazy at the time and was just crazy television and just reinforced, you know, the, the stranger danger, you know, if somebody touches you inappropriately, tell a grown up scenario, but different strokes definitely was part of my childhood. So, you know, to hear about the passing of, of Conrad Bain was, you know, it's just another, another person from my, that I watched growing up, just, just gone. So, you know, my condolences to him, to his family, um, in this time. But again, I, I definitely got to acknowledge that he was, he was a part of, of my life growing up from just so many years of watching different strokes and, the occasional crossover with the facts of life. So it's unfortunate, but you know, he lived a long life, 89 years old. It's all good. The Hollywood reporter reported that there is actually, wow, that, that was a, a very weird way to segue into that. The Hollywood reporter released the date for Hercules, which is based on Hercules, the Thracian wars, which is going to star Dwayne, the rock Johnson as Hercules. Of course, it's a revisionist take on the myth. And it's going to be set in a world where the supernatural does not exist. So I doubt we're going to see any of uh, Hercules killing the lion and all this shit. But here's the beauty of it. It's directed by Brett Ratner. So if you hate Michael Bay, I'm sure you hate Brett Ratner because Brett Ratner is Michael Bay light, in my opinion. A lot of the shit that Brett Ratner puts out is complete horse shit. Or sometimes it's just such overhyped style, stylized shit that... It, you lose any sort of substance for the movie in general, but we'll see if he can make the rock, uh, marketable as Hercules. Of course, the rock is scheduled to be in GI Joe, which is in theaters, March 29th. Then of course he's going to do pain and gain with Michael Bay, which comes out April 26th. So the rock is going to be in theaters for two months in, in 2013 thus far, not counting WrestleMania, but GI Joe, in March and pain and gain in April. The last bit of what the fuck movie news. Get this. Of all the movies that get reboots. This this takes the cake. Gremlins my friends is going to be in line for a reboot. 
Vulture reports that Warner Brothers is in talks with Amblin Entertainment to reboot the 1984 horror comedy, of course, with a new take on the film. Um, Spielberg executive, uh, Steven Spielberg executive produced the first film, and it's likely that he would do the same. But there's not really more news about it. Obviously, they've been trying to do a reboot for a couple of years, but they've had, you know, a lot of financial difficulties with Steven Spielberg, obviously. He's like, I'm not going to tie my name to this shit if it's not going to be good. But we are in line for a Gremlins reboot. So there you have it, ladies and gents. Anyway, that actually wraps up the entertainment news. And it wraps up the show for this week at two uh, at uh, three hours and like 12 minutes. So there you have it. Anyway, I just want to thank you guys for dealing with our technical difficulties earlier this evening with BTR not letting us dial into the switchboard to manage the show. Got to take an opportunity to thank Amazing Red for spending some time with us. I know he had some audio difficulties, and I'm a little concerned. Hopefully it doesn't come out too bad in the archive version, because the live show, his audio seemed to be pretty clear, and you guys in the chat said that it looked good. But like anything, it's the post-audio that concerns me, so I'm hoping that the audio was clear and and audible enough for you guys to enjoy. And um, again, you can check out Amazing Red's school at House of Glory Wrestling on Facebook. Go to their official site, and we're going to try and get some coverage of the Saturday event, either from myself or from Jay Santee. All right. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 169 for Thursday, January 17th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, please drop me a line at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're interested in advertising on air or on the site, you can email me at mtrhost also at mytakeradio.com. Last but not least, if you're not a fan of email, you can always use our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. If you don't want your message played on air, just specify that at the start of the recording. Last but not least, social media, you can find us in a multitude of places, including Twitter, at MyTakeRadio, MySpace, Facebook, of course, Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. Ask us questions on Formspring, add us to your circle on Google+. And as always, if you want the true ultimate MTR experience, you can get the MyTakeRadio app for $1.99, available for Android, in the Amazon Marketplace, and of course for iOS on iTunes. Gives you access to 96K stereo episodes of MTR, plus original programming including MTR Beyond the, uh, excuse me, MTR Beyond the Mic and MTR Behind the Mic. Not to mention mobile wallpapers and other content as well that is released on the app first before consumption by the general public. In this particular instance, obviously, with the overrun of the show, you're going to get to enjoy the full MTR overrun on the app and on iTunes. BTR listeners, unfortunately, will have to wait for either a replacement of the audio or are just going to have to deal with the cutoff, which I apologize. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up. I figured we're going to give the nod to the Maniac Agenda to take us out this week with The Awakening, which is their Halo 4 remix. You can find them, Facebook.com, The Maniac Agenda. You can also visit their site, ManiacMusic.net. And last but not least, you can also look for The Maniac Agenda altogether on SoundCloud. 
See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. That's all, folks. Ha, ha, ha.